Are we ready? Happy Tuesday. <laughs> and we're back. We're back, guys. 24 hours later. I felt like I hadn't seen the guys in a week. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, everybody. Um, Let's wait for a couple more people to come on and share. And <laughs> Go ahead and share yeah. and like, guys. Yeah, come everybody, on. everybody, shy. come on, share, like. Uh, we'll get to your comments. But uh, before we start the podcast, I want to go over <laughs> our special sponsors again. Uh, again, all proceeds from these sponsors, 100% of it will be going to Armenia Fund. Have we'll we be going taken to... sponsored money before? Or? We haven't. We haven't. We have never taken any sponsor money, but due to... Uh, some circumstances that are going on in Armenia, we decided, you know what, what better way to raise money than to donate it. Let it come in and let us give back to our brothers and sisters in Armenia because they need it more than we do. Um, Steve Bogumian, Bogumian Law, specializing in cannabis contracts and regulations. If you have any questions regarding anything marijuana or cannabis related, please contact Steve Bogumian, 818-275-2465, 2465 Steve Bogumian, uh, Bogumian Law. Uh, second sponsor, Flintlich Family Chiropractors, uh, specializing in all sorts of chiropractic work, including, <laughs> let's, let's, you know what? We're not going to screw this one up. Auto and sports mm-hmm. injuries, okay? Pediatric, comma, comma, pregnancy. Yes, <laughs> not pediatric pregnancy. Yeah, not, yeah, John, not pediatric pregnancy. Pediatric <laughs> pregnancy. Family wellness, all that stuff. So contact the guys, Michael and Ryan. They're over at Flintridge Family Chiropractors, 818-952-0172. They're also on, uh, they're at 845 Foothill Boulevard in La Cunada, uh for all your chiropractic needs. Also, Wild Oak Cafe. Guys, breakfast, lunch, brunch, all that good stuff. These guys got amazing food, great quality. They're located on Chevy Chase Drive, 311 Chevy Chase Drive in Glendale. Uh, open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Their breakfast burritos, their breakfast sandwiches, their bowls, all that stuff. Very good food. Great quality, great service. Highly, highly recommend them. And if you need to call them, 818-240-0792. That being said, happy Tuesday, guys. We have a special guest with us today, Mr. Armin Saakian, uh, Western Western uh, Regional Director for ANCA. Executive director. Or executive director. Sorry about you that. You missed it. Bro. That's right. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for taking time out of your Tuesday. I always say Monday, but thanks for ta- ta- taking time out of your Tuesday for, to be with us. I know you had, uh, you had a birthday yesterday. So it was whose birthday? It was sister's birthday? No, it was. Well, you go, yeah. go ahead. Well, I had the board <laughs> meeting. We have standing board meetings at the ANCA. Uh-huh. And then it's also my sister's birthday these uh-huh. days. So. Happy birthday was to the sister. Was it today or yesterday, your sister? Um, it's actually tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's, it, these days, every day is a jambalaya, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And birthday, thank you guys Taylor, for yeah. accommodating um, Tuesday. I know you always do your shows on Monday, so I appreciate your flexibility of as well. Of course, man, of course. I we mean, typically you don't. <laughs> if you weren't from the, you weren't an exec, if you were just a director, <laughs> no way we would do it. But since you're an executive director, it's a big deal, bro. We made an exception. We made All an right. exception, absolutely. <laughs> so. You know, there's there's a lot we want to talk about as far as what the ANCA is doing and where you guys stand right now. But prior to that, uh, you're a young cat, man. And to be, a, you know, an executive director with ANCA, let's go back in history a little bit because we want to know. Uh, you have a very interesting story because you came to the States at a very uh, difficult age, I would say. At mm. the age of 15, you came to the States and not like, you know, the three of us. We came directly, we came directly to SoCal. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us where you landed and, 
how life began for you as a as a teenager, man. Yeah, so um, I went. I was born and raised in Yerevan, uh, so Yerevan kid here, and uh, the U.S. Uh, embassy in Armenia uh, does a lot of these exchange programs uh, with with uh, high school kids, uh, college kids, college students. So I did apply for a high school exchange program, uh, long-standing uh, program in Armenia, and uh, was one of the ones to be chosen. I think one of forty, about give or take, every year that they send over and. Uh, by chance, um, I landed in Iowa, in the Midwest, in the dead center of uh, the U.S. And I'm not going to lie, at first I thought I'm going to Ohio, just because <laughs> I hadn't even heard of Iowa in my life before. How had you heard of Ohio, though? Um, there was a Peace Corps volunteer in Armenia that I'd come across that was from Ohio. Uh, so when okay. I was told I'm going to Iowa, yeah. Iowa, I still mix Ohio, Iowa, and what's the other Idaho. one? Idaho. Yeah, Idaho. those three, I still mix them up. <laughs> it's like no, last one nobody cares sense, about the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> but the Idaho one made sense, though. <laughs> so you, you, you were in an exchange program, and you lived with an American family. Yeah, I lived with an American family. Okay, in any English? I knew English before coming. Okay, yeah. you did. Okay. But basic Yerevan school education, I mean, nothing particularly special for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely a cultural shock, and I still keep in touch with my American family. They came to my wedding uh, a few years, a couple of years ago, so we still keep in touch. They've retired in Alabama Very now, nice. so it's 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 been a lifelong connection. And same thing goes for friends uh, from high school over there. I mean, honestly, it was one of the best uh, times in my life, and I really cherish, despite the fact that I won I was in the midst of cornfields and turkey farms. <laughs> um, it was it was interesting. How did they How did they actually like? Um when you got there, as far as being an Armenian, what what was the reaction by them? Had they ever heard of an Armenian? Did they know where where Armenia was? Anything like that? No idea. No, no one had a clue. Um, outside of the f- host family, of course, that did a little bit of research beforehand uh, of choosing me. And, um, you know, you can imagine Iowa, very classical farmland. I mean, mostly German descent. A lot of Schmitz and Yoders and Millers. Um, so I was this for to them, I guess, very dark-skinned kid running around, um, which you know, by SoCal standards, it's it's not the same, right? Um, so I was, much, so <laughs> I was very much, I was very much set aside, set apart from the rest. And um, they ran a newspaper story on me, like this Middle Eastern, you know, student in Armenia, whatever. And I took that very personally back in the Middle day. East, because it has it has such a negative connotation, especially in the U.S. I was like, no. What like, year? How? What year was this again? Uh, Two thousand eight. Oh yeah, definitely. That's like yeah. prime. 2008. Yeah. 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 That's like prime wow. like you don't Iraq, want to be Middle East. Like yeah. 12 years ago. Yeah. Wow, yeah. very recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like prime Iraq kind of Middle Eastern. Seriously, like right after of, 7 years after 9/11. Yeah, you're, we're getting kind of that that whole Middle Eastern thing is kind of at that point, 2008, it's kind of like offensive to certain people. It's like, "Oh, he's from the Middle East." Right off the bat, you think Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, you know, Libya, something like where it's like, it's like, oh God, you know, he's from the Middle East. He might be. Libya's Africa. Oh, not summer in Libya. <laughs> Jesus I'm Christ. just saying, oh, Sorry, bro. sorry, Libya. He uh, was know, never good at geography. I know, geography Neither am sorry. I. Yeah. But like, you're thinking like Middle East, you're like, oh man, it's like, you know, is he, is it safe to be around this person? <clears throat> is he, is he an Arab? Is he part of Al Qaeda at the time instead yeah. of ISIS? Yeah, thankfully I didn't get any of that, but I did still get some crazy <laughs> questions from uh, students, classmates. They're like, do you guys ride camels in Armenia? Or do you have Coca-Cola <laughs> in Armenia? Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you expect? Camels? I mean, they don't know, man. Yeah. What do you so, if I ask you about Libya, where's Libya? Africa. Okay, and what do they ride in Libya? Uh, camels. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Cougars. This, this is this is the epitome of a smartass, not a wise man. I'm just saying. <laughs> what else do they ride in Africa? Haven't you been to Egypt? Camels everywhere. Isn't Egypt in the East Coast? I don't know. Where's Egypt? <laughs> you aren't you aren't good at geography. <laughs> if I told you it was next to China, would you believe me? Well, after the uh, podcast from last week, everything seems to be from China. Turkey's from China, right? Uh, As we discovered, we uh, we Dr. also learned uh, we also learned half of this world is Azerbaijan, according to them. <laughs> We're gonna get to that. <laughs> we'll get to Azerbaijan, because you know there, a lot of things are older than Azerbaijan. Yeah. Uh, so, so Iowa compared to California, how 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 long were you there for? How many years? A year, just a year. Oh, just a year, and then you moved to the, to I Southern moved California, to New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey, right, Jersey. right, New Jersey. And was there anybody in New Jersey or? Yeah, I have. Uh, I had my aunt in New Jersey. They mm-hmm. moved to SoCal just like a couple of years ago. So I had her and her family. So I, um, I went to college. Got uh, obviously that had that family support yeah. over there, which is what predicated my move over there in the first mm-hmm. place. But your family was still in Armenia yeah. at the time. Are they still in Armenia or they're here? No, now? they moved almost four years ago to Glendale wow. from Yerevan. Yeah. Nice, nice. So, you've been here for now. I'm trying to do the math. You moved to, in 2008, to Iowa. A little over 12 years. And so it makes you 27. Yeah. You're 27. Yes. Wow. Very young. Very young. I thought he was young. Now you're even now younger. Now you're younger. Now look at that. See, I'm not the youngest person. Is he the, the youngest guest we've had? No. What are you talking about? Steve. No, Hello, Steve. Oh, Steve. Well, his, Steve's dad was here, too. So you got to average the age. Well, Steve, how old was Steve was 16. And his, okay, call, let's say his dad is Let's 40s. Not say. Yeah. yeah. Average late, it out. Late 40s. Yeah, he's still the youngest. Anyway, Steve was, <laughs> Steve was the youngest guest we've had. Yeah, Six, 16. We 16. get to Jersey, our Steve, man. Steve, by the way, was, is a uh, world-class champion uh, race car driver. Steve Abakhani, yeah. Armenian. Prior to, him coming awesome. on the sh- yeah. prior to him coming on the show, we didn't even... We were still guessing as far as, is this kid 26 or 16? I had to change <laughs> the flyer like three times because we were messaging each other back and forth saying... Bro, he can't be 16. You, can't, you just have a driver's license. and Well, anyway, long story. Not just any cars. Exotic, like, sports cars. It's crazy. I mean, we Bad find Armenians in every field. It's amazing. Of course. I love, I love our nation for that. He's, he's a future uh, Schumacher. I mean, that's what he is. Definitely. We'll be rooting yeah, for him for yeah. sure. I don't know who Schumacher is. Sounds like a guy who repairs shoes, but whatever you say, man. <laughs> yeah, he was only the <laughs> best Ferrari. <laughs> I don't know. Formula One don't driver. Know that is. No, no, I don't. You don't know. Hey, you no, to, I don't know. You need to get out a little. He bro. was the highest paid athlete at no, one I don't know. point. I, don't know. I, I never, I never follow like car racing and stuff. So. None of us are huge yeah. fans, but shit, no, I don't guy was on It's like saying, does anybody know Michael? G? He was the Michael Jordan of race car yeah, driving. You can't compare Michael Jordan to That's Schumacher. What he was. Yeah, I know. I get it, but okay, no. Schumacher's still around. Well, he had an he yeah, had a injury. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember something like that about Schumacher, but just not a huge fan. But I know who he is. Or no, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But <clears throat> anyways, so basically, what you got your education in Jersey? Yeah, undergrad at a small liberal arts school called mm-hmm. Bloomfield College. Um, got it in international political economy, and then um, spent a little time at our um, permanent mission, Armenia's permanent mission to the United Nations um, in New York, because it was across the river um, from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So spent some summer there, um, interning, helping out the. the permanent mission, then moved to Washington, D.C. to continue my graduate studies at Johns Hopkins University. Beautiful. How 
Which do you prefer, East or West Coast? I know it might be unpopular to say it here, but East Coast East for sure. Coast. The culture is different, right? Yeah. As far, I mean, I've I've been to New York, Boston, a couple of other cities. Uh, the culture is completely different. Uh, as as fast paced as LA is, New York, Manhattan, especially, it's it's like fifteen times more mm-hmm. fast paced than LA. But then Boston uh, is not right. Boston, not as much. But I, I love the architecture in Boston. History, architecture. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. Of course, a, you feel like you're in like uh, Belgium or uh, Amsterdam. I mean, it just it feels so different than LA. LA seems like a young pup compared to Boston. Well, remember, LA's architecture <coughs> is basically you know 1800s on. Whereas you go to the East Coast, you have stuff from the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Like Harvard it, is from 1634, mm-hmm. well, I think. Even those. Yeah. Like when you look at East Coast, I, I feel like the old colonial stuff that you see, I, f- I love those yeah. colonial yeah. homes, man. There's something about them that just makes you feel like, just, you know, just put a flag up there and just sing the Star Spangled Banners and just know <laughs> that freedom, baby. This is where it all began. Like cup the of East coffee, Coast. too. cup of coffee One, right there. scotch. Know. Well, I mean, I don't drink alcohol, or no? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Jeez. Armin, what t- what age did you decide that you were going to get into the politics and ANCA and your what what age did you decide that's your route? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say probably somewhere around thirteen when I was in Armenia. Oh, in Armenia. thirteen. Yeah, they were doing a lot of special programming back in the day. I don't know if they're still doing that or not, but a lot of these NGOs getting grants um, mm-hmm. from the embassy and whatnot and doing a lot of civic education for um, secondary school students, taking us to the uh, Parliament to uh, um, different government offices just to getting us acquainted. And um, I was also kind of involved with the U.S. Embassy um, in Armenia. They had a thing called American Corners. You mm-hmm. would go have American language uh, materials, books, whatnot. So I kind of just got interest in diplomacy and international affairs from that young age. And with the ANCA, it happened when I got to Iowa because it mm-hmm. was still one of the states that hadn't recognized the Armenian Genocide. And so I thought, you know what, like while I'm here, I may use my time and try to get that done. Bring that, awareness to That it eventually got done, and I was back in Iowa in 2017 with the governor when she was signing the proclamation. Wow. So that's how the engagement started with the ANCA since Iowa. Then as a volunteer in New Jersey, I did the internship. I went to the conferences. I mean, did the whole spiel with the ANCA. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. I'm trying to remember what I was doing at 13. <laughs> Actually, I remember I what I was I can tell you doing. what you were doing at 13, but... I'll let you go on. I don't think our audience wants to hear your your story. No, 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 no. But Yours is better. Is it? Okay. Th- but this show is not about me, so I'm no, not going to no. get into what I was doing at 13. <laughs> as much as I'd love to. No comment. No, I, I actually wanted no, I'm not, to. No, I don't want to say anything. I wanted to be a cardiologist at 13. I was volunteering at Glendale Adventist. At 13? Yes. I don't know how they let me volunteer because now it's 16. I'm 15, assuming back 15. then. No, it's 16. I was volunteering in the ER and ICU, and uh, I think telemetry maybe, if, or uh, at least I know ER and ICU for sure, I remember. But uh, obviously I'm not a cardiologist today, so that didn't pan out too well. <laughs> the volunteer work was right down the drain. Well, but, but, but you know what discouraged me? I remember my grandfather had a cardiologist, Dr. Vahe Badalian, if you're watching. <laughs> I went to see him. I said, you know, I want to become a cardiologist. And he said, uh, if you don't want to have a life, a family life, then become a cardiologist. Mm. And I, Not that I would have, maybe, I don't know, but that really discouraged me. <laughs> isn't, isn't it the hardest, as far as in the, in the doctorate field, isn't it the hardest one? 
Well, the ones where you're on call all the time, those are the ones, yes. Which Cardiologist mm -hmm. uh, Cardiologist depends. You can be a cardiac surgeon or a cardiologist, which cardiology just is more so preventative. Yeah, it's the study yeah. of the heart. You're yeah. a doctor of the heart itself. Yeah. So, majority of them are in office, not in the... Yeah, they have the a clinic and all that. But if you're surgery, you know, in the hospital, then yeah, you have, you have no, no life. life. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Enough about me, guys. You guys already know what a schmuck I am. So let's let's talk about Armin. Let's get back to Mr. Sahakin here, who actually has accomplished something in life. Making me blush over here. Well, let me ask you the question before we jump more into the ANCA mm -hmm. or get into the ANCA. What was your parents' reaction of you leaving Yerevan and coming to America at the age of what you said, fifteen? Right? Yeah. What? Well, I, well, I mean. It's not like, you know, you're going to be going, instead of to La Crescent High School, you're going to be going to La Cunada High School. You're traveling overseas. What was it? What was it? You just like... Yeah, they were very chill about it. Actually, I, I think I didn't even tell them I was going through the application because it's like an eight-month process of tests and interviews and this until they choose you to be one of the students to come. So I came one day. I said, hey, this, I guess this is happening. And um, they were very supportive, actually, to their credit. And I think in Yerevan... You guys probably could relate to this. Life is a little different. I mean, I, I think I was going to school by myself since 9, 10 years old. You know, yeah. it's, it's just a different environment. So I think um, kids grow up much more independent. Yeah. And Less I think kidnapping parents and have like, yeah. more trust in them. And plus, I had my aunt in New Jersey at the time. So there was a little bit of that security blanket mm -hmm. in case something, she's here. Very nice. Yeah. Only 500 miles away, you know. From to Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. 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 Not to Armenia. Obviously, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just come on, bro. Let's be, let's just. Well, I'm just trying to clarify things for John because I'm sure John's oh, drinking. John's John, are you drinking? Oh yeah, no? it's Tequila Tuesday for John. Oh, it's today. Tequila Tuesday. Okay, yeah. John's drinking, so we gotta slow things down so he can comprehend. Even though he's an attorney, <laughs> sometimes he's slow at processing, depending on. Yeah, the delay becomes a big delay. For John. <laughs> <laughs> the 12 second delay is. Turns it to 24 because of the tequila. <laughs> uh, but as far as ANCA, so. When did you dive into, you know, joining with the ANCA and, you know, where did you begin and then how did you get to where you are now? Yeah. So, as I said, I started in Iowa as a volunteer. Um, I went, so my host dad uh, was a um, county supervisor mm -hmm. uh, in Iowa. So he was in politics. Um, so there's a photo of me with the McCain campaign and uh, my uh, host father's campaign doing, you know, I started phone banking and the whole political um, stuff since then. And uh, we traveled to capital city, Des Moines, and, uh, you know, they were very encouraging of me. So I met even the governor that day. He was just walking by. I stopped him. I said, hey, I'm here to advocate for the Armenian people, and you need to recognize the Armenian genocide and all of wow. that. Got a special recognition on the floor because we were kind of involved in the political life in Iowa, yeah. which, as you can imagine, is not as big and sophisticated as it may be in other parts of the country. Um, it w didn't go as successfully as I planned, but that was my start with the ANCA. I literally just emailed Adam Hamparian, and to my great surprise, he actually re re responded to me from Washington, D.C., and put me in touch with the f right folks, and they helped me with the drafting of the resolution and all of that. And then when I moved to New Jersey, of course, I got involved with the local chapter in New Jersey, uh, went to the conferences and started slowly but surely getting involved. Did the internship program in 2012, the Leo Sarkisian internship program. And uh, 2014, um, when I was in grad school, my second year of graduate school, I was hired as the ANCA Eastern Regions Executive Director. 
uh, to my great surprise, I was 20 years old at the time, and I don't know how they trusted me with that, but um, that's that's been my journey with the ANCA. So I spent four years in the ANCA Eastern Region as the executive director, then I am uh, privileged to uh, now be the ANCA Western Regions director for the past year and a half. Now, as an executive director or any other position, are you considered a volunteer or are you an actual employee no, of you're ANCA? The, you're an employee, you're an employee. of the ANCA So this is a full-time job or... Yeah, this is my full full time um, occupation. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Which I'm very blessed to have. Interesting. I I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought I it was. Yeah, I thought it was more of like a part time like a spare gig, time yeah. volunteer gig, maybe. Yeah, but really <laughs> but as an executive director, how many how many regional offices do you guys have now? There are two, Eastern and Western, and we have Washington D.C. national office. Mm-hmm. So altogether, there's about a staff of ten people. But, but the whole ANC is ten people. Staff, yeah, staff. but of course, as you guys very correctly alluded, it's very much uh, dependent on um, countless of people who are volunteers. Of course, the board um, that each region makes up, there's that board of 10 people, give or take, mm-hmm. in each region and the national. They're all volunteers, and the grassroots in general are all volunteers, and the local chapters are all volunteers. So I thought in the beginning there was uh, about 13 offices back in the early 1900s. Now there's only two, one so two Eastern. regional, and then we have over fifty local chapters. You okay, said so early there are 1900s. You said yes. When did the ANCA start? So the ANCA goes back to 1918 uh, with Vahan Kardashian with a C, not a K. Um, C or a G? C. Kardashian. Kardashian. C A R. Car like rock. Yeah. I thought it was a Kardashian, but I, I guess could be. Yeah. I mean, there might be other spellings. But if it. you went, took him, brought him back to the future, and showed him what the Kardashians are doing, <laughs> take him back, he'll change it into a K. I mean, we love all the Kardashians. <laughs> I certainly do. Um, and he started an organization called the American Committee for the Independence of Armenia (ACIA). And basically, his whole idea was to rally American top leadership to um, support Armenia, independent Armenia. And then it kind of died out slowly in the 30s and then resurrected in the 40s as now the Armenian National Committee of America. Right so around World War II, right? They changed it to ANCA? Yeah, so yeah. it switched names. But uh, the uh, ACIA was active for many years, and uh, you know, all the top brass of the American politics was member, were members. So it was not an Armenian uh, membership organization. It was an American membership organization mm. in, in, in terms of ethnicity, let's just put it that way. So we had the Secretary of State, successive presidents, and others who were very supportive of this. Uh, what was the actual mission of the organization when they initially, when it was initially founded as far as what did they want to accomplish, what were their uh, goals, goals mm-hmm. and all that? Yeah. Um, so the organization was basically, as I said, rallying American political support for an independent Armenia and a mandate, a U.S. mandate, security protectorate over the newly fledgling country, which failed um, to our great disappointment, of course. The U.S. Senate at the time after World War I became very isolationist in its foreign policy. They just didn't want to get entangled in, abroad, like in overseas issues. And so the Senate rejected the U.S. mandate over Armenia, and shortly thereafter, Armenia fell to the Bolsheviks. Mm. Guys, we'll get to sorry. Guys, we'll get to what's happening in current events very, very soon. Uh, there's a couple of people asking as far as with current events, what's going yeah, on. Very we'll, we'll get, yeah, we'll get. We'll, yeah, we'll. That's a, that's the topic of the day. But you know, we'll get to that very, very soon. We want to understand the foundation of ANCA. So when we get to today's topic, you guys have yeah, Garen, RB, yeah. all you guys, just yeah. be a little patient with us. But uh, let me ask you this: as far as 
the ANCA being formed for Armenia to help Armenia. Um, just now, this is just for my education, you know, just to find out because, you know, when the Bolsheviks and you know when the Soviet Union took over uh, Armenia and Armenia was known as you know part of the USSR, anything being raised as far as funds, all that stuff, was it going to directly to Armenia or what was going on? Were the Soviets taking pieces of it? And mm-hmm. I mean, how how did all that take place back, you know, prior to 1992? Yeah, um, I I wouldn't know exactly the details, but if I am to guess, I would say probably zero dollars went to Soviet Armenia just because. Um, I mean, who are you going to give it to? In our in our books, yeah, like it's under I mean. communist occupation. And actually, interestingly, we I was going through some archives before of the war broke out, and I noticed that the ANCA used to put our logo before the logo we have now was the actual coat of arms of uh, the Republic of Armenia because there was no Republic of Armenia, so it was kind of for the lack of better term, like almost a government in exile, like people tried to carry the tricolor, the coat of arms, kind of keep the national symbolism of Armenia state to the life. Yeah. So that was kind of the mission of the ANCA to raise awareness about Armenia um, as a, as a statehood, but not support the communists. Of course, if anything, yeah. we were, um, if you look in the eighties and nineties, the, the ANCA among other organizations were very close with the top American brass because we were very much lobbying for independent Armenia for independent Artsakh. Uh, so it's very much ingrained in the DNA of the organization. Yeah. So yeah. Do you think the the organization that was set up nineteen eighteen by Kardashian, the way he had it set up, do you think that would have worked today and maybe even better than the one we have today? Do you understand what I mean? I think I'm understanding what you're saying, and to some extent... My, my, so what I'm trying to say is the way he had it set up with other nationalities running it, do you think it would have been effective more today? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, unless there was a strong support from the American public um, and leaders, thought leaders, to take this on. But unfortunately, we, we don't see that as much. I mean, it would be a great complement and a supplement to our work, right? There's an organization called Americans for Artsakh, for example, but it's not been very active. It's been very hard to um, kind of get our message across yeah. to the wider American audiences. I think everyone recognizes these days. It's, it's a very monumental task for us. So where would you categorize ANCA? Would you call it a nonprofit, a lobbying, lobbyist group, a uh, cultural center, mm-hmm. uh, command center? I mean, wh- what would you, how would you c- categorize ANCA? Yeah, the way we describe ourselves is a nonprofit, nonpartisan, grassroots advocacy organization. So we're an advocacy group. Not a lobbyist group. Not a lobbyist, because lobbyist entails um, some kind Sounds. of a give and take, like you're hiring me as a mercenary to go and lobby any issue on your behalf. We're an advocacy for one issue, and that issue being you know, the Armenian cause. I mean, it's lobbying at the very heart of it. The Armenian causes many issues. Of course it is. But what I'm saying is, you like the Lithuanians can come and hire us and say, you guys are lobbyists, why don't you guys go and lobby for us as well? So that's kind of the distinction we make. Lobbying is kind of considered for the, you know, quote-unquote, like a dirty term these days. Mm -hmm. So we refrain from using that, and we rather describe ourselves as a grassroots advocacy because that's truly what it is. We mobilize the power of our community instead of, the power of the buck in, in trying to push our legislation. We're, we're pursuing the truth. And how are you, are you financed to fundraising or how are you guys able to do mm-hmm. this for, what, 
102 years now. Yeah, we're entirely financed and funded by the community. So we host our annual galas. You guys might have come across um, both in the eastern region, western region, and uh, direct mail campaigns, weekly contributions. Um, but we only take money from um, Armenian Americans and friends of Armenia who want to support us. I'm um, sure outside of the U.S. too, right? Not just not as much, mm-hmm. not Less as than much. 10% probably, probably. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's very minuscule. Um, because other, uh, you've got to rec- recognize that other countries also have their own ANC analogs. There's ANC of Canada, ANC of Australia, wow. ANC of France, et cetera, et cetera. So usually the communities there would be then funding their own local ANCs. So Hamparian is not the overall director of all these international ANCA groups. He's only for the U- U.S. Yeah, he's ANC Washington, D.C., National Office Executive Director. Is there anybody that oversees the international operations as well? Or It's very decentralized in nature. Um, the ANCA as a whole, including like local chapter, regional and national, as well as international. So there's a coordinating body insofar as they might be exchanging some thoughts and ideas around, bouncing them off, but there is no one center where they say, well, now this is what you got to do, basically. Because every country also differs in their political landscape, yeah. in their priorities. Uh, like ANC Canada was able to block um, Canadian arms sales to Turkey. They were able to do it because of their own unique circumstances. Not, I mean, we're trying to do the same here, but it's obviously different. So, again, the, the questions I'm asking is to have a better understanding we, before we get to the core questions which some of our audience have is, so... You said you're an advocacy group. Do you, uh, if you're able to share this information, what type of fundraising do you guys do as far as do you have an endowment? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that endowment? Uh, and do you, you, do you allocate any of that, those funds towards hiring lobbyist groups to help advocate for the Armenian mm-hmm. uh, people? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, as I said, the institution is decentralized. So the Washington, D.C. office, the East and Western regions actually fundraise separately from each other. Many people think they send to one ANCA, it's all ANCA. And in some extent, to some extent it is. But we all fundraise differently. Um, So the Washington, D.C. office does have an endowment fund. Uh, So the way it's set up is there is, you know, tax-deductible 501c3, which helps with our educational program, internship program, youth outreach, community outreach, and there's the 501c4, which helps with our direct advocacy and lobbying for a particular piece of legislation. But we don't hire any other lobbyists. Uh, we so we undertake that? that work ourselves. Internally? Yeah, we have internal government affairs shop um, that does that. You have attorneys who understand international law and all that, or who, who's handling that? So, I mean, there's the board of directors, right, mm-hmm. for all the three regions, and there's staff government affairs directors for national office and the regional offices. And so these people are specialized in advocacy. Um, and we have lawyers. I mean, there's, if there's one thing we don't lack in the Armenian community is the attorneys. So we're fortunate to have quite a few of them on our board as well. And whenever necessary, we do seek outside counsel as well. It's not like we claim we know it all. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it depends. But I, I have to say we have been definitely punching above our weight as a community and as an organization. Uh, having passed a number of laws and um, support mechanisms for Armenia and Artsakh that the Azeris are still trying to try to um, fight against. So, Can you talk about a couple of those laws that you sure. guys have passed? I mean, one I can bring as a good example is Section 907, if you guys have heard of the, about that. It's, no. uh, there was a law that passed in the 90s called Freedom Support Act that passed right after the Soviet collapse. And there was a provision in there called Section 907 
that forbade any form of aid or assistance to the government of Azerbaijan for as long as it continues its, its blockade against Artsakh, or as they say it in the, res, uh, in the bill, uh, Nagorno-Karabakh and Armenia. Mm -hmm. uh, and that w that's still on the books, the law. The only tweak is that after 9-11, they passed an amendment to it that allows the president to waive that requirement. President of the, the US. United States to mm -hmm. waive that every single year. And they have been doing ever since 2002. Um, so, I mean, that's just one thing that is still on the books and we're fighting to have Section 907 reinstated because Azerbaijan is continuing to blockade and violate the rights of Armenia and Artsakh. Why was that uh, amendment passed after 9-11? Well, because the United States needed to use parts of, I think, Azerbaijani territory for um, transport and logistical assistance to the U.S. troops and coalition troops uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of made that amendment to just make their lives easier instead of trying to always circumvent that limitation. They went ahead with that. Garen is asking, you don't think there's an issue when you've got even an eastern-western region and you're not even collaborating together, not even... Con uh, I mean, that's just within the states. As mm -hmm. far as now we talk about internationally, mm -hmm. you said there's, there's almost zero collaboration. Everybody's kind of on their own, dealing with their own issues. You don't think that becomes an issue if there's no unity amongst the global organization itself? That's a fair question, and I didn't say there's zero collaboration. I said it's collaborative, but there is no central body that tells all of us what to do. In the United States, I have to say we very much are closely collaborating, all of us, Eastern Region, Western Region, and the National Office. Yeah. When it comes to federal-level policy, Armenian Genocide Resolution, Artsakh Travel and Communication Resolution, I mean, you name it, we take our marching orders, so to say, from our Washington, D.C. office. Mm -hmm. So we entirely support that effort, and we don't obviously take anything of our own. At the end of the day, we're one organization. Um, when it comes to other um, international um, co collaborations, then it, it just is a case-by-case -case basis. You know, not all of it would be applicable because the level systems of governance are different. I mean, we can't tell ANC of Russia to do something when their institutional um, maneuver space is very different than from ours. So when it comes to the U.S., we're very closely collaborating. Now, have you guys been collaborating with everybody as far as international, on the international level with the ANCA regarding what's happening in Artsakh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, the war broke out, when was it, late September? 27th. 27th. That's when, you know, obviously the first attacks happened. Um, what, did the, what was the first thing that the ANCA actually decided to do as far as taking steps, taking measures as far as bringing awareness to mm -hmm. uh, what's going on in Artsakh? Yeah. I actually remember that day very well. It was a Saturday night here, the 26th. And, um, I mean, that night uh, nobody slept. We're trying to understand what's happening, what's the seriousness level, and we very quickly realized this is grave. And so starting Sunday morning, we just started reaching out to all of our friends in Congress, which there's we have quite a lot of in, in, in Congress. We have the Congressional Armenian Caucus. And right away, the, the first thing we did was start having members of Congress condemn these, this war that they started against um, Artsakh and Armenia. And then parallel to that, we just reached out to our extensive network of media outlets. I mean, I personally wrote four op-eds in a matter of two weeks in uh, leading national outlets. Others did the same. So the first knee-jerk reaction was to raise awareness as much as possible um, in order to then take the follow-up follow steps against Turkey and Azerbaijan. 
So if you guys wrote to the uh, major media outlets, how come, I, at least from what I remember, none of the major media outlets or anybody was, aside from Araxia, local mm -hmm. Fox, El, uh, Elena Bovian, mm -hmm. uh, local KTLA, I don't recall anybody else really talking about it. There's one other Armenian girl that's been running, uh, I think she's on the conservative side, but she's on the smaller scale. The one that's at the Trump rallies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She gives good coverage right there. Yeah. But as far as w talking about an actual uh, major network that has national coverage capabilities, those are the two that I know of. And they covered it, I'm assuming, based on, because they have, they're biased, they're Armenian, obviously, so they had to cover it, even though they had a lot of pushback from their own employers. Uh, but as far as you said, you guys wrote letters for two weeks straight to uh, pretty much mainstream media. Mm -hmm. How, what, 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 did, what was accomplished by that? Was anything or... Yeah, I think to some extent it was. I mean, we are all as frustrated as anyone, right, about lackluster coverage, especially the first week or so. It was very frustrating because they were there just... There was no coverage. They were running... If they were running anything, it was talking points of the government of Azerbaijan. Yeah. yeah. So we were... I think one accomplishment we had was turn that tide over. So we're not seeing as much of that one-sided coverage. Um, then uh, another couple things I'll mention is the New York Times, the Washington Post, and a couple other major na national newspapers came out with editorials totally slamming Turkey and Azerbaijan. Now, in terms of national TV, um, that's still one place we're still working on. It's it's not as easy. We were we had a little bit of success in with MSNBC, um, New York, uh, excuse me, CNN to some extent, CNN International. I but think we're CNN working. was more about Armenians standing out there all night. It was not about anything else. Yeah. CNN would did not want to cover anything, and after they just put a little slogan on their building, that was it. Yeah. The yeah. next day it was a ten second coverage, and the following day after that it was back to anti-Armenian mm -hmm. coverage. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I remember the coverage wasn't even correct. It was basically them saying uh, it's a war between Azerbaijan and Armenia. It wasn't even. Uh, it wasn't even. Correct attack. as far as yeah yeah it was like they didn't mention anything about you know ninety million not even let's not not say ninety million ten million Azerbaijanis versus three million Armenian population us defending our our borders in Artsakh none none of that was mentioned it was mm -hmm. all basically just oh a war broke out these two countries are fighting against each other over Nagorno Karabakh and uh, we wish them all the best you know what got mm -hmm. to me the day the Lakers became champions. There was 80,000 Armenians out there peacefully protesting. And 150. One, one, 150,000? Give or take, it was no, about yeah, 100,000. Whatever. Give or take. But at this, on the same day, downtown LA, there was 100 people. 60 of them got arrested. It was covered every channel. And live. Yeah. So don't you think maybe we should have lobbyists? Because we're not. Obviously, the volunteer thing is not working up there. Well, um, one example I'll bring is uh, the freeway closures, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when there, something is burning, when something is happening, like the L.A. Uh, Lakers um, yes. event, the media has to cover it. I mean, they have no choice. It's something burning down. When it's a peaceful protest, that's when somehow there's very um, minuscule response to it. I don't think it has as much to do with... Uh, hiring lobbyists per se, um, as it is 
um, just raising uh, increased awareness. I mean, I think we're getting there slowly but surely. Um, this is a very obscure issue. I mean, we are in our own Armenian bubble thinking, well, you know, of course this is so obvious, but a lot of these guys have never even, cannot even pronounce Artsakh or Nagorno-Karabakh off the top of their tongue. They've never even heard of it. That's it's our fault too, Albert. It is. That's it totally is. So we need, I mean, we're working on it. Um, and, you know. But that's the issue I have, though, which I think a which lot of people can relate is, 102 years. Again, I keep on going back to 102 years. I've been in my industry, healthcare industry, for 12 years. And I'm not even a big shot. I'm a nobody in the industry. I'm a small guy. But you ask me to make a phone call, I can make quite a few phone calls. So I would expect an advocacy group like the ANCA, who's been around since 1918. Uh, Which is not 102 years, but... Yeah, it is 102 years. Holy smokes. Don't, don't question it's my older, size, it's, bro. it's older than Azerbaijan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't it the same age, 1918? Who gives a shit? Screw Azerbaijan. Okay. Continue. So <laughs> that, that's where my question comes mm-hmm. to you is um, in 102 years, you guys should have a Rolodex like no other as far as I'm going to call CNN, I'm going to call MSNBC, CBS, ABC, Rupert Murdoch, Larry King, whoever the hell I need to get on the phone, I'm going to call them and they need to cover this thing. Mm -hmm. How come you guys don't have that type of uh, pull? When you say we're slowly working on it, I'm sure you would agree with me. We we can't afford to slowly work on this because we have so many of our young men and women dying uh, in Artsakh right Mm -hmm. now. So the slowly working on it is not going to work out. How come you guys don't have that type of pull? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, what I meant with slowly working on, I meant slowly working on changing, slowly changing the tide. It doesn't mean we're slowly working on it because obviously all of us are working 24-7 on this. But we have to recognize that Armenia is not the topic for the U.S. media to cover. It's never in any way um, attractive for for U.S. media to cover. Why not? it holds absolutely no strategic value for the United States. There but is no U.S. interest involved in this. There but a small country so like Israel can hold a topic, but Armenia can't. See, that's what that that's what kind of frustrates as far mm-hmm. as why can't the Armenian why can't Armenia be a, a topic? Why can't mm-hmm. we why can't we have certain groups or individuals or again lobbyists working for us? Yeah. Lobbyists, lobbyists, we, lobbyists. We are the first nation, Christian nation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Guys, and the United States is. Huh? Does anyone care? Okay, so here's what we have to do. By the, I'll tell you what. Well, you were at the meeting on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, everybody, please like, share. Let's get the views up right yeah, now. Seriously, we this need more This is a people. very, very, very important topic. You don't have the executive director of the Western Region of ANCA on TV or on a podcast every day. Joe Rogan can't even get him on. The Wise Nuts <laughs> have him on. Like, share right now before we cancel the show. <laughs> so my my question is um I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Hey, you lost ten viewers. <laughs> what was I saying? What were we talking about? Media lobbyists. Media. The media lobbyists. We're, right. Okay. So yes, I completely agree with you. Armenia is not a strategic country for any global power. Except Russia. Are not even really. I would I mean we could argue that. Uh we don't have the funds or GDP is equivalent to a privately owned company here in Southern California, basically, to mm-hmm. say it like, uh, nicely. Uh, but you guys can twist this around, turn it into a, a war against 
Christianity. We are the first Christian nation, as we claim, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there has to be a way to get their attention, even if Armenia is not a significant country because we're only 3 million and blah, blah, blah. But there has to be a, a different scenario that you can present where it's, it, it gets the attention of the media, Congress, mm -hmm. Senate, White House, whoever's attention you have to get. I, I completely agree with you, and that's exactly what we're working on day and night, trying to come up with different angles that we can use. I mean, I'll tell you, the Christian angle only goes so far because it's a double-edged sword bringing religion into this issue, especially when Artsakh is concerned, because we have to keep in mind at the same time it was the Arabs, um, among other nations, that very much welcomed the Armenians during the Armenian Genocide, and still Armenians live in Lebanon and other um, Arab, Arab uh, majority countries. So it, it's, it's, it has to be done very carefully because we can't inject religion just willy-nilly and say, well, you know, it's a Christian Muslim or Christian this issue. What about terrorist? Terrorist is a very uh, important issue, and we're, we're raising the alarms all over. Um, to my great surprise, even the U.S. government has not necessarily come out very forcefully on this, despite the fact that France and Russia and others have. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the lackluster response to this is, and we have to keep in mind it's not the first time that Turkey has brought in terrorists to other parts of the world. It's the same thing happened in Libya, same thing has happened in other parts. And I feel like Erdogan is mostly just... Uh, testing the buttons um, and with not facing a lot of consequences for its activities is now brought in terrorists to um, um, to Azerbaijan to fight against the Armenians. Do, we, do we know important. how much money Azerbaijan spends in lobbying in the U.S.? We certainly do. I mean, it's in the millions that we know of. That doesn't give you guys any concern that we should at least spend a tenth of that? No? Not yet? I'm not After sure. After 20-something <laughs> years, bro? Like, I'm at the point where... I don't understand why you guys are so against lobbyists. That's what I don't understand. I get the whole point. We want to do this on our own. But at some point, you got to give in. some point, you're just like, okay, I got to give in. That's a good question. So? No, I, I do. But you have to realize this is an issue of resources, right? I mean, if you are thinking that we're sitting on caskets of money in our office and are being very greedy in, in spending no, that, no, that's no, no, not, no, but that's look not at, the But look case, at it this right? way. If, so this if, all, if, if you were... if. People were to know that the ANCA does work with lobbyists, that they do work with outside sources. Do you don't think more people would actually contribute 100%. and donate? I don't think so. No. Today they would. Today they would. I think to well, today. Well, let's when look you at say the donate, million. but but I mean, what do you think it costs to lobby a cause? Five million. I mean, I can put a mon monetary value on that. And, and I would probably steer clear of the term lobbyist. I would probably maybe use a PR agency or something of that sort because if we're talking about media and, and, and things of that sort, the PR agency would be the one to come in here. The lobbyists, uh, and in either case, it's not a How clear, it's not a clear cut. Politics. I mean, when we're talking about Azerbaijan and Turkey, we have to keep in mind that there is very serious U.S. interest involved, right? There's the oil, there's the gas, there's NATO, there's all of these things, and there's uh, U.S. companies and Western companies who are, I mean, BP for you one has BP, yeah, the, like invested something like $78 billion in Azerbaijan. So there's very much vested interest on top of it all. I mean, you, you may also hire all the lobbyists you want, but if there is no under overarching U.S. interest in that particular part of the world, I mean, they may not even be able to accomplish a lot. And then at the end, we'll look at each other and be like, well, we just paid John Smith $5 million, and they weren't able to accomplish much. And I have to say, to the credit of the ANCA and other Armenian advocacy groups, we have, the, we have accomplished a lot. 
with our own limited resources. I mean, you look at California, you look at U.S. government. Uh, I mean, just the fact that we got the Armenian Genocide Resolution passed last year was no easy fit, I'll tell you that what, much. That was a non-binding resolution, right? Yes, yes, it so was. So what is the difference between binding and non-binding? Uh, I mean, just it's very self-explanatory. Um, one means something; the other doesn't. One is a one is a law. <laughs> one is a law that you know it, it stipulates certain U.S. agencies to undertake certain things. The other one is a non-binding resolution expressing the sense. It's uh, it's a very commonplace thing. It's basically U.S. Congress saying this is from now on the official stance of the U.S. Congress as one of the co-equal branches of the U.S. government. And what does that change for the Armenian people? I mean, it changes it. The narrative changes the narrative entirely. I mean, it's no longer about the U.S. refuses to recognize the genocide. Now we're moving to the next stage, which is um, education and, and going after reparations for our, for our nation. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this realizing the gravity of what I am saying. I mean, it's, right. it's not an easy thing that, oh, like in two years, I promise you guys we'll have reparations. I mean, uh, and if, But let's be realistic here. It's been 105 years. Mm -hmm. Is there a statute of limitation as far as reparations goes? I'm not an international lawyer, but from what I know, there is not. So Towards international crimes against humanity, there is no statute of limitations. So even five, ten years from now, we can ask for reparations and freeze Turkey's assets and get our New York life policies paid out and everything else that I, I believe we're demanding. So. Theoretically, you can. Well, yes. there's a, you know how many you know how many thousands of New York life policies are still in the air. Then you know what would happen to that company. You know what the dynamics would change drastically in this world, though. I'm asking. I don't know. I mean, again, he, like he said, none of us are international lawyers. We don't know if there is a statute of limitation. What are we at? 102 years? 105 years? 106 yes. years now? Yeah. This coming year is going to be 106 years now. So, I mean, I don't know. From what I remember was they were saying after 100 years, it becomes, you know, the statute of limitation is gone and you can't get reparations for it anymore. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there is somebody who... Who knows about it? I mean, chime in, let us know. But, um, I mean, there, I think there's much more we can do than just, you know, hire volunteers and, you know, just try to do what we can as far as, uh, you know, with the power that we have. I think we need outside, outside help. And I think on a financial level, we showed what we can do in a matter of what? How many weeks was it? Two weeks, 100 million. Now, take that to a bigger scale as far as, people knowing that, okay, you know what, this money is going to this organization, this organization, and this organization in order to help Armenia, in order to help Artsakh, we need X amount of dollars. Who's in? I think yeah. as a community, we proved that we can come together and we can make noise. I totally agree with you, and I think um, we need to be riding on this wave right now as a, as a community at large and try to really bring our um, activities to a qualitatively new level. I mean, we have been able to accomplish a lot, but we definitely have a lot longer journey to go, and we would need all hands on deck. I mean, um, I, I don't always like bringing in the Jewish-American community as an example. It's kind of a beating a dead horse in a way, but I have to because I was just looking at some of the uh, GuideStar. It's a publicly open information on mm -hmm. how much money these these community organizations wield, and I mean it's just astronomical numbers. Like groups like AJC, ADL, APAC, publicly declared annual budgets of something in the vicinity of 100 million dollars each. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. So when, I, I kind of also want us to put this in the wider context of what we're what we're which um, environment we're operating in. Do you right think now. we're capable of that? 
I think we are if everyone believes in it. So, I mean, that's that's where we're kind of trying to pull this towards or push it even towards is, and we talked about this last week, we're 8 million people in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. If of the 8 million, now call it 6 million, if 6 million people donate $10 a month, yeah, that's $60 million a month. I, of that 60 million, remember, not even a quarter of it has to go to, again, I know you don't like hearing it, but to lobbyists. A fourth could, like literally a quarter, of, less than a quarter of it, one sixteenth can go to it and it'll pay for itself. I, mm-hmm. It's just we haven't tried it. So we don't know the results for it. I agree with you. And we have tried as an organization. Now, we might have done a terrible job at it. I don't know. But I'll, I'll How tell long you. Ago? Years, decades. For decades, we've been doing this. And I'll tell you, there has not been a lot of support from the community um, thus far. Now, moving forward, can that change? I certainly hope so. I mean, for one, me and a number of other people have put our entire careers and passions and livelihoods into all of this, and we live and breathe this. So do I want to see a stronger Armenian presence and lobby and the media covering our issues? Of Mm -hmm. course I do. I mean, that's my dream. Of course. No, no, no. So we need to um, just get into the constructive zone as a community um, and if people want to help, I mean, there's myriad of groups. I mean, if ANCA is one you want to support and get involved with, by all means, like our doors are, of course, always open. Right. And we will take every support. And if need be, t- uh, seek outside. I'll tell you guys, as we speak, we are looking at, I, I can't disclose what we're doing it, but we're also doing what you guys are suggesting here in terms of looking into certain outside firms that can help us elevate our message to the next level. I just don't want to say a lot uh, so that it doesn't get into the wrong hands. But we're also taking that to the heart. And with the limited resources that we have, we're also seeking that outside counsel on how else can we bring this into the national and international media discussion and narrative. Because we all, of course, recognize that this is a very critical issue. One more thing. The genocide issue should be used. Today, what we understand as Armenians is everything that happened in 1915 to 23. Well, I would say 1890 to 1923 is what I say. Maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. But everything is repeating right now. Mm-hmm. We, Armenians, see it. We need to show the rest of the world mm-hmm. that that's exactly what's going on. So the Turks, I call them all Turks. There's no Azerbaijani for me because they never existed. Azerbaijani? <laughs> whatever the shit they're called. <laughs> I call them all Turks with the lowercase t. That's what I've always Even used. Even though Google automatically capitalizes it. I still go back, fix and it. fix it. Yeah. <laughs> smaller case anyways with that being said how do we get that message to the rest of the world that this every time these people say something let's say they accuse army of doing something that's basically what they did to the armenians everything they have done to the mm-hmm. armenians they have flipped the script mm-hmm. they teach their kids that the armenians did this to us yeah how are we going to go against this yeah no that's that's a key question and we are um we have that as one of the main lines of uh, our messaging. The genocide, second wave of genocide, the potentiality of that looming, very pot- real, no potential. very it's real, real reality today. I mean, when I'm, what I'm saying is if, if Artsakh ever in its entirety falls under the Azeri occupation again. Um, and we are uh, ringing the bells on that left and right. And, and you might have come across some articles and some news reports on that. Um, and we're working on making that even more pronounced because... Um, the other thing about the Armenians, as much as it's not the best thing, but a lot of people do recognize us by the genocide issue, and at least they have some form of familiarity with what the Armenian genocide is. So for us to also message it from that perspective and showcase how literally 
every April 24th, we go out into the streets and scream never again. And you people ask us, well, why do you still care about this issue 100 years ago? Well, this is exactly why. And we need you as our allies and we need you on our backs to continue pushing this message forward. So that's definitely being done. And we have to double down all of how us. Many, okay, how many years have we doing this protest? As far as I can do you think it's, since 65 Do you think it's least. worth continuing it? I certainly think so, yeah. Why? In a different manner. In a Perhaps different manner. In a different we need to manner. stop. But you guys stop being the victim, bro. Yeah, stop exactly. this whole victimhood. Yeah. Armenians, all of us are guilty of the same thing. We want to be the victim for that month or that two weeks. We are not victims. Armenians today are not the Armenians of 1915. We are completely different people. Yeah. We need to show the world 100%. that we are not the victims no more. We could attack. On the streets, on the battlefield, and in court. Where are we? Well, for one, I think the march we did, the 150,000, did showcase that unity. Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. I was personally inspired by that myself. And I think we do showcase then. And otherwise, when we say Turkey failed, we survived. For 104 episodes, it happened with our men. Look at that, bro. Mm -hmm. You can say you're the first guest that got pulled on Wiseness, <laughs> bro. Hold on, hold on. 104 episodes. We're back on, I think. No, no, no. I think we're back on. Yeah. No, are we're we back on. We're are back, we on. back on. Guys, yeah, can you are. guys, can you hear us? Yeah, we're on. No, so we're on. back. We're back. We're back. We're back. It's it wasn't the internet. It wasn't the internet. Was it Zuckerberg? Bro, we literally got we got pulled. Thanks, Zook. That was that Come was, on, guys. Let's reshare, reshare. Yeah, guys, let's uh, let's reshare this. So we got we literally got broadcast interrupted. I don't know. Did we say anything <laughs> besides Edgar going on Edgar. a rant? I'm not Facebook's best friend. People, sorry, guys. <laughs> Come on, let's like and share. Um, yeah, let's get let's this, get our, let's, our let's get our back viewers on. back. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> it's not our fault. Call Mark Zuckerberg. That was insane. I. That's never happened before. In a nice way. Screw you, Mark. Turkey failed. Everybody's saying it. Halala. Um, Where were we? So, uh, in the beginning, you said... In the beginning. In the beginning. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's every Stop time we it. say... Every time we say beginning... It's, uh, it's there was this video of this uh, Nigerian man, I think. Who couldn't pronounce the word beginning? So mm. he for three minutes he's like in the beginning, <laughs> in the begin. So every time we say that, it that's what we're laughing at. But um, so Mike, uh, in the beginning of the show, you said, uh, did you say your ANC is bipartisan or partisan? Nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. I like to say because I I I mean I would gladly work with any party. I mean short of ultra like whatever communists or fascists or whatever i mean be beyond that all better off for us okay as an organization do as you think the anca actually is nonpartisan? Non yeah I i'm not talking so. about you personally mm -hmm. I'm talking about the organization yeah let's look at mr hamparian uh miss nora i forget mm -hmm. her last name of sepian of sepian uh, whoever else that's involved at, at the... Uh, mm -hmm. what, are they considered executive level or... Well, Aram Hamparian is the DC office. DC, okay. Nora is the Western Region Western, Chair. Okay. So, from my understanding, they are uh, registered Democrats, mm -hmm. correct? I, I, I actually don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, and one of your, I think he, what's his name? Alex. Alex used to uh, work for Beto O'Rourke, who's a... Uh, oh, who you mean Arsene from our office, yeah. Arsene or Alex? Arsene Alex, did. Yeah. Arsene, oh, Alex is the one from Australia. Mm-hmm. Okay, Arsene, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So what I'm trying to understand is nonpartisan to me means we're neutral, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but from my experience, and I don't know if the other wise nuts agree, mm-hmm. I don't see that neutrality, the nonpartisan. I see a lot of left-leaning from Armin Hamparian, or, or, uh, Aram. Aram Hamparian to uh, everybody else that's, that I've, I've heard their speeches and their interviews, mm-hmm. very left-leaning. Now, I look back at my cultural history. Armenia is a conservative nation, correct? Uh, I don't belong to either party. I'm a mm-hmm. conservative, but I, don't, I, I wear a Trump hat. I don't, I'm not a Republican. Uh, I'm a conservative. So I'm trying to understand, if Armenia is, was founded and is till today, in my opinion, a conservative nation, um, why have we sided with so many liberal values? And I feel like uh, the ANCA is very much Democrat-leaning, and majority of our audience agrees, and they had those questions. That's why mm-hmm. I'm asking. I'm sure, kind sure. of trying to put all these questions into one. Whereas you're saying you're not sure if uh, Hamparian or Hovsepian or any of these people are Democrats. I, I've i seen some of their interviews. I, I could pretty much vouch that they are. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what which if you are a registered Democrat or not, but uh, can you kind of elaborate on yeah, that yeah. a little bit? And that's a very fair, that's a very yeah. fair question. I'm happy to talk about that. So... Um, I'm personally not affiliated with either party myself, um, and I don't know about political registrations of um, my colleagues or bosses and uh, other people, mm-hmm. which is why I couldn't comment on that. Um, but when we talk about nonpartisanship, we're not talking about neutrality per se. We're talking about um, specific candidates and their positions on this one issue of concern to the Armenian-American community, right? Okay. So when we look at it from that perspective, um, as well as the fact that despite um, any personal leanings of individuals um, in the organization, uh, we don't take uh, decisions based on that. Because if that were the case, we would entirely lean one way or the other, and that's when we would be a partisan organization because we would only work with Democrats and push Armenian agenda with the Democrats or Republicans or um, anyone in between. Uh, we just happen in the Western region to be based in California. We have a lot of elected officials who do happen to be from the Democratic Party and also happen to support the Armenian-American par- priorities, whatever we define them as such, right? Artsakh, genocide, um, uh, the, um, pulling funding from Turkey, uh, defunding mm-hmm. Turkey and whatnot. So when these people are supporting those issues and happen to be from a Democratic uh, party or the Republican Party, that's the merits upon which they get um, endorsed. So let's say if we had the Armenian community based out in Texas, for example, or any other more Republican-leaning or conservative-leaning society, I feel like we would really have the opposite issue. So it's not a matter of, oh, ANCA is Democrat-leaning, that's why they endorse all the Democrats. It rather happens to be that we operate in a Democratic environment in California, which is why most of the endorsed candidates from California happen to be Democrats. Move no. to Texas, please. I mean, mm-hmm. let's call Seriously. on everyone to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. But ANCA needs to move. I mean, here's the way I look at it. Ever since Trump's been in office, mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't help Armenians if I was Trump. Because the only thing I see, I don't even see the ANCA one time anything pro-Republican. Because if you're, you got, we all know who Trump is. Trump's a businessman. You got to play with his ego. You got to do something in that sense. Everything I'm seeing out of ANCA is way, way too left-leaning. I'm not saying personally, mm-hmm. but everything. I was watching Aram Hamparian yesterday. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. After Trump had talked about it. Trump didn't do a great job in his speech with 20 seconds talking about Armenians. I'm not saying Trump did the best thing possible, but for you to go on air the same night or 12 hours later and bash him for even doing that? Come on. Do you know what he's referring to? I missed that video. I'll have to go and check that out. Um, Who was the interview with? Uh, <sighs> but he, I didn't know the interviewer either. Yeah. yeah. It was like a nine-minute interview about Trump's speech. Mm-hmm. And it just seems that, again, it's not about Trump. It's not about Biden. It's not about Obama. It's, it's about Armenia. Yeah, and yeah. if Trump is in office, we have to be diplomatic. And when his charm, his charm him as far as, look, we need you to fight for our people, for our country. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think it's being done because, because ANCA is more Democratic-friendly than Republican-friendly, in my opinion, my humble opinion. I could be wrong, but that's just the way it comes across. And that's why I'm trying to understand why, why, have we, why are we leaning so far left? And as far, I mean, even if we look at the history, look at what Trump did to Turkey a couple of years ago when he... Uh, well, Pastor Bronson? Well, look what the, these people the tariffs, are saying already. People are saying tariffs. Erdogan already bought out Trump. No, he hasn't. Go back, go back to a Look couple of go back to this 2017 <laughs> tweet of what he said t- about the Turkish. Uh, Look at the currency in Turkey; it's down to nothing. Nothing. The toilet paper you have, you wipe your ass with, has more value than Turkey's 100%. currency right now. Please, your, your rear end. Uh, your rear end. Yes. So, and what was that? Wasn't that the sanctions, the tariffs that Trump put he, on Tur- he Turkey? He cut so much. Fifty percent. And that could be part of the reason why that that was a strategy as far as he knew something was going to come from that. Again, I don't know. I'm not personal friends with him. I have no idea what he does. I'm not a political analyst. But I I, I just want, if it was me and I'm advocating for for my motherland, my nation, I wouldn't care who's in office. I always am going to vote for the individual that's going to do what's best for us. Uh, again, but in the United States, I obviously expect what's best for the United States, not mm-hmm. for Armenia or nor for any other country out there. But, but you guys as the ANCA, I think, w- should look at it from that perspective, and I'm not sure if you do. No, I'll tell you that we do. It's just, um, I'll tell you just one quick thing, and that is um, with Prime Minister Pashinyan, you might have come across some reports on that when he was trying to um, get a meeting with Trump and Mm -hmm. to no success. So it's not like the easiest thing to get to President Trump to begin with, number one. Um, And number two, I mean, I totally share your opinion that regardless of who is in the office, we need to work with that administration to try to pursue our policy priorities. I I don't think there is any um, anything that we, we disagree over there. Thank you so much. But, I mean, so, you're talking about a prime minister not being able to get a meeting with Trump? A prime minister of a country? That's what I'm telling you. I think it's just generally not the easiest thing to get to the U.S. president. I mean, I'm very happy that our community went out to Newport Beach 
and was able to get his attention and have Trump at least pay some form of attention to this issue. And I'm hoping there will be some action followed up because at this point, I mean, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm, I don't lean either way. All I care for at this point is for the U.S. to really pull its muscle like it did when Pastor Bronson was illegally uh, imprisoned by the Turkish regime mm-hmm. um, and apply those very hard-hitting sanctions against Turkey um, to be able to free an entire nation from genocide um, in addition to this one pastor. So um, I can assure you that from the ANC DC end, because, I mean, we're a regional office. We mostly work state level and below. But from our DC office, they are working with the National Security Council, with the State Department, with the Pentagon, and trying to get as far in as they can with our priorities. Um, parallel to that, I'll just bring the quick example of former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn, mm-hmm. who, who later found we found out was illegally getting basically bribed by the Turkish um, special interests um, who have very deep uh, ties with the you know, national security apparatus and they're trying to wield interest from that way. So we also have to recognize we're up against the whole like machine of the Turkish Azeri um, you know, money campaign. It's money. So as far as the, yeah, of course it's always about money. It's money. But as far as currently the resolution 1165 mm-hmm. goes where it's at, on the desk of uh, McCarthy from mm-hmm. my understanding. Yeah. He's a California congressman, correct? Yes. I, I, I forget which district. Bakersfield. But Bakersfield, but I don't know the number as far as... Yeah, 26? No. Whatever it is. I'm going to blank uh, on it, so I'd rather so not say. Why, why is he not signing that resolution? You are... You said Western region, mm-hmm. you guys have a strong foothold in California. Why can't you get him to sign that resolution? So uh, the problem we're having with um, the minority leader McCarthy is that he is... Um, blocking the uh, basically there's a procedure in Congress by which you bring a resolution very quickly to the floor. It doesn't have to go through the stages of you know um, committees and whatnot. And so what he's holding up is uh, he wants to water down the language. So that's the the reports we're getting, and which is why we're a little upset about it. Uh, he wants to water down the language such that it's this false parody. Oh, Armenians did like bad stuff. The Azeris did some bad stuff. We need to kind of condemn the. Event. Both sides thing again. Basically, call everybody's them both using sides. that both sides thing. So that's why we're like protesting to try to bring the resolution as it is uh, to the House floor, and for that we need two thirds um, uh, approval, and for that we need the minority leader to come on board on the Republican side. And he's a conservative, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I think the reason why we're failing is because we've never supported a Republican. Yeah, um, I mean we're. You know, a, a lot of some of our commenters. Well, uh, Trump is in bed with Turkey. Come on, Trump was an international businessman. He had licensing deals all over the world, whether it be Turkey, uh, Singapore, everywhere. Uh, then he became president. What is he? He's not going to all of a sudden decide. You know what? I'm I'm cutting all these licensing deals. I'm going to throw everything down the drain. No, but you've got a Biden who's been in office for 47 years. Again, I'm not trying to get political as far as. Blue versus red. No, you should but, uh, stop it right as right away. You should just stop it. Just cut it because there shouldn't be talks about Trump being in bed with Azerbaijan and Turkey. Go back in history. Obama's, Bush's, Clinton's, Bush Senior, Reagan—they've all been in bed with Turkey. Guys, this they, is they all promise. Stop to... bringing up Trump with Azerbaijan and Turkey being in bed. This is not about Trump and Azerbaijan. Again, go again. Go back in history. And we're not talking about conservatives and Republicans and Democrats and liberals. They've all been in bed with Turkey. This is not something new. You guys are making it seem like, oh my God, look, Trump is in bed. Okay, Obama was in bed. 
But we can't go back and forth and talk about this bullshit with, <laughs> with all this crap going on in Artsakh right now. Literally, you guys are pointing fingers. Is that the best you guys could do? It's a freaking joke. But, yeah. but if we are a conservative nation as Armenians, right? Who can we expect... You can't say Armenia is a conservative, conservative what is nation. To what you is can't. it? What's Ashanyan our, is a look, liberal. Look, Armenia is in a weird situation because they want to satisfy the EU that's not going to do shit for them, but give them some more rainbows in the house. Mm-hmm. They've got Russia they have to go under, and then they want to satisfy the U.S. at the same time. You can't be laying around in three beds, bro. Simple so as that. which bed do you recommend? Russia. Me, personally? I can't say. Russia. I don't want to say it on Russia's bed? Because That's what you reckon. Think about it. The last eight countries, democracy has been spent in and attempted by the U.S. have failed miserably. I don't want Armenia to be another democ- democracy spread country. Please so how keep about if, the U.S. out of Armenia. How about if they turn it into a republic instead of democracy? Would that work better? They're always spreading democracy here and there <laughs> in this planet, damn it. So, so it does again boil down to Democrat and Republican? No, no, no. democracy or? has nothing to do with Democrat and Republican. <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do with it. Every time we go with our bombs to spread democracy in a different country, it does not end well, bro. Do you want me to bring you examples? Sure. Let's look at Syria. Libya, they had a great country running until our CIA fucked that up. Sorry for my language. Afghanistan. Iraq. Iraq. Any more, guys? It's amazing. We can't have America footstep inside Armenia, or else it's going to get worse. Well, that's the thing. We don't want America inside Armenia. We want America inside Turkey. They are in Turkey. I've been in Turkey for years, bro. As in, like, look uh, look at Turkey as a terrorist organization, because that's what these pieces of shit are. And step foot and stop the terrorist organization. Because these pieces of shit want to wipe out a Christian nation that's basically in their way, as they would say, as Erdogan and Aliyev are saying, we are in their way of a pan-Turkey. Soviet Turkey. Well, it's not a Soviet Soviet. I mean, pretty that's much they want to go from Romania to China being a Turkey. Well, yeah, they want to basically have that, what was that ribbon called? What was that bullshit ribbon? Silk, that Silk ribbon bullshit, Silk whatever robe. they are. The robe or crap, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> They, they are a terrorist organization that want to wipe out a culture, a nation, a race. That's what it is. And that's the only way America needs to step in. Basically destroy their economy, destroy basically Erdogan himself. The guy's a freaking monster. No soul. You have our brothers and sisters being killed, skinned alive, and nobody, nobody in the media wants to fucking talk about it. I mean, the way I look at it, I don't count on the U.S. I don't count on Russia. I don't. Definitely don't count on the European Union. I don't even know why the UN has an office you, in Armenia. Hold on. Do you know who the president of the UN is? They're just, I don't give a shit, really. You, but do you I know who he is? Turkey. You should. He's a Turk. Yeah, yeah, it's Turkey. I know that part. But okay. they shouldn't be in Armenia. Any organization that's saying both sides need to de-escalate is a bullshit organization. Any organization. I don't care. International, national. I don't care. If you're going to say... Turkey, uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan, both sides need to do this. No, this is not both sides. Armenia is under attack. There's no second guess to this. Armenia is under can, attack. Can't we prove that who actually initiated the attack? Yeah, of course we of can. Of course, there's satellite videos of all this, right? I mean, the Armenian government says it has. I Even mean, the- Russia and uh, France have come out saying their intelligence services have confirmed the fact that there is. And furthermore, we actually know for a fact in the 90s 
the Azeris brought in Chechen uh, terrorists and uh, Afghan Mujahideen to fight against the Armenians. So, I mean, this is not something new in the region, unfortunately. These guys have always hired these mercenary terrorists to come and fight against us. Um, and, I mean, sad to say, Armenia is not the first nor the last case that the world is turning a blind eye. I mean, I look at Yemen right now, and, mm -hmm. I mean, my heart just cries, um, just given the amount of destruction and zero attention given to the to the matter. So, it's like, unless there's either some inherent interest or force, such as our diaspora, that's going to go out there and make noise and have people pay attention, no one's going to care, unfortunately. And this is especially pertinent to me because um, it was during the Armenian genocide that the American people came to our rescue through the American uh, Near East Relief Organization, you know? The same people that were so compassionate toward, I mean, and the government for that matter, Ambassador Morgenthau, President Wilson, and successive four administrations, um, you know, really caring for the orphans, many of them finding their home here in the United States. Um, that's the story we're also trying to bring back for the past several years through our America We Thank You campaign at the ANCA. So, I mean, we just have to keep knocking at all the doors and screaming at all the windows and also infiltrating, in the good sense of the word, um, all the different institutions, media, government. I mean, Armenian-Americans... Uh, we need to get involved in the different aspects of American civic life because that's the way we're going to be able to bring the message inside the institutions rather than be knocking at the door all the time from the outside. So you guys are in you guys are in the West Coast, you guys are in the East Coast, and you guys are in Washington. How many countries did you just mention that basically have been doing the investigations and have realized that Azerbaijan is the aggressor? You said it was France, Germany. France and Russia, for a fact. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm sure other intelligence okay. services would have so that information. So those are, those are pretty, I would say those are two pretty powerful countries, right? Now, with the connection the ANCA has in Washington, in the East Coast, in the West Coast, why can't these, why can't these topics be brought up as far as to Washington, to the connections that you ha guys have, mentioning to them, saying that, look, France, Russia, whatever, XYZ mm -hmm. countries have done their investigations and they've confirmed it. Why aren't we doing the investigations? There was two ceasefires. Both ceasefires were basically Violated. violated lasted by four and yeah, five minutes. Literally minutes by Azerbaijan. Yeah. The facts are there. Everything is there and you guys have the connections for it. Why isn't something bigger being placed on top of Washington's shoulders? I mean, I'll tell you where putting the pressure and I for one second don't think that the U.S. intelligence services do not possess this information themselves. Because, I mean, you want to tell me the U.S. intelligence doesn't know what's happening in Syria or Libya, especially when known ISIS terrorist fighters are being transported. So, I mean, Secretary of State Pompeo kind of made the statement that kind of alluded that we're concerned about reports coming out, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, we are, we are pushing the, putting as much pressure as we can. And, of course, we're spreading the message all across. Um, there is something holding up these guys coming out and outright condemning them. And I can't really put my finger on it exactly what it is. I was going to tell you. So you said Russia and France uh, both have intelligence on the terrorists. Russia and France are also two of the three countries that make up the Minsk group, who's in charge of this resolution, the third country being the U.S. Mm -hmm. Now Azerbaijan wants to pull two, three other countries into this mix to have a resolution. And Armenia has always been against Turkey being a part of anything to do with this resolution because they're obviously one-sided. They cannot help this resolution. 
Okay, and, and but they're looking at it from the same perspective, right? Turkey thinks Armenia should not be involved in this resolution because Armenia is a separate country than Artsakh, right? Artsakh's not really a country today. It's not. It's but, unrecognized. Right, but the, what Armenia is trying to do for it to be recognized as an independent country, Artsakh, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, Turkey's relation to Azerbaijan is very similar to, or their interest is very similar to Armenia is to Artsakh. Not necessarily, because uh, Azerbaijan is its own nation, has well, its own law, bylaws, has its own citizenship. I mean, you go to Artsakh, you think Artsakh has their own uh, passport? No. Well, that's why I said they are not currently recognized as an independent state, nation, but assuming they were, the relationship... Artsakh to Armenia would be Azerbaijan to Turkey, right? It's a, like a big... The parent if, Az, uh, if Artsakh was recognized. Yes, yes. Do you guys see why Armenia is not the first country to recognize Artsakh? So it has a lot to do with it. Well, Armenia negotiates on behalf of Artsakh right yeah. now, right, in the Minsk group. And by the way, Artsakh used to be part of the negotiations. Thanks until to Robert's, Robert's late, stupidity. Yeah, 90s. And uh, so Armenia and us as ANC have long been advocating for Artsakh to be back on the negotiating table mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it's the fate of these people that's being decided without their input whatsoever. Um, and I think Azerbaijan at some point also realized they're losing on this negotiating game, which is why they resorted to violence in the first place. Mm. So, the, again, I, I, I'm not trying to validate or justify their actions. All I'm saying is when it, it's very easy for us to, you know, obviously we're vested in Armenia. We want what's best for Armenia. But you, ca- you have to ultimately look at it from both sides. Yes, they're the aggressor. They're all whatever you want to call them. But ultimately their perspective is why is Armenia getting involved? Armenia should not be involved. I think that's what they're... You know, even though their motives may be different, like Arno mentioned, they're trying to get all the way to China. They're trying to take over mm-hmm. <laughs> Asia, pretty much. Uh, but ultimately, the, if you ask them, that's that's their argument as far as why is Armenia involved in this war? They shouldn't be. Armenia has been involved since day one. Armenia was part of the uh, group from day one. Turkey was never ever part of this conversation Artsakh was at some point like you see said. Rita Turkey saying Artsakh, Artsakh is not recognized let them recognize basically let them recognize it them saying Armenia out basically who's them I don't I, maybe she's meaning United States as far as United States recognizing Artsakh as its own nation some states have I understand that but here's the thing if the United if if Artsakh is recognized as its own country itself <laughs> I think it'll be worse because at that point, they could declare war on, Artsakh, the war on Artsakh. And what army does Artsakh have? You have Armenians from Armenia going to Artsakh, going to Nagorno-Karabakh, and defending all seven provinces. Armenians, not Artsakhsis. Who are also Armenians. Who are all, also Armenians, right. correct, correct. But again, we have people on this thread saying Artsakh should be its own nation. No, it shouldn't. Because if it is, I think it's going to be worse. I think they'll be wiped out within weeks. And Armenia is not directly involved. You guys know this, right? As, what do you mean? Armenia is not necessarily... Ed, come on, man. Yeah, but not really. Ed. Yes, I understand There are you. hundreds and thousands of Why Armenian is... men. Armenian men, not Artsakhsi men. Armenian men who have I died. I get okay, you. So but... they're meeting on Friday. I th- is it Friday on the 23rd? 
29th, you mean? Azerbe- in Washington, D.C. Oh, Washington. Okay. Well, that's the for, for, uh, foreign ministers, but as far as Aliyev and Pashinyan. Mm, it's already Moscow. happened. I Moscow. think it's happened already. Has it? No. 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 I thought it's on it the 20th. Friday. Friday, yeah. So why isn't Araik meeting with Aliyev? Why is Pashinyan meeting with uh, Aliyev? Because like you said, Artsakh is not a part of the negotiating table because Robert... What's his last name? Kocharian. Kocharian screwed that up saying, well, I'm from okay. Artsakh. I can negotiate on Armia's part. And me being from Artsakh, I can negotiate for both sides. And that's how he got Artsakh out of that table, which is another one of the reasons he's not really Armenian. So we need to talk about that. But another time, we won't, yeah, we won't talk mean, about that with Armin. Right? The, the story is that at the moment, at some point, they thought that... that negotiation was close to some deal mm-hmm. so they basically the Armenian side govern, the Arme- Republic of Armenia decided to leave Artsakh out um, and then of course the deal f- fell through and right. then since then Artsakh has not been party to negotiations. Do you think it would be a benefit for Artsakh to be recognized or no? I absolutely do. Actually if anything we have been long seeking recognition of Artsakh and now we have renewed that call for recognition and um, a lot of members of Congress have already come out with statements calling for um, Artsakh recognition. Uh, most recent was Representative Napolitano just today came out with an on-the-floor statement calling for it. And we, of course, have worked on nine states in the U.S. that have already recognized it thus far, and I think we're going to continue that trend going forward. And we just need to get sovereign nations, like states, to recognize Artsakh on an international scale. You know, you know what I read today? That... Glendale, the city of Glendale, has not even recognized Artsakh as its own independent what? nation. How is that possible? What do you mean they're well, brothers? California as a state. Uh, we changed a street name to Artsakh. You're telling me we haven't recognized Artsakh as its own? Okay. I believe Glendale That's is what I read friendship today. cities with, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's Shushi. Shushi, yeah. And so there is some kind of a city-to-city diplomacy happening, um, and they're called friendship city arrangements. So Mm -hmm. Glendale has recognized Artsakh insofar as they haven't maybe passed the proclamation, but they have a friendship city arrangement with Chushi. And then California as a state, of course, has recognized Artsakh um, as an independent state. Mm -hmm. So we just need to continue on that. I mean, these are mostly symbolic because, of course, um, individual states don't wield any foreign policy jurisdiction. But they, all of these resol- resolutions call on the federal government to recognize. And now we have a lot of federal legislators coming out of the woodwork that would not do it otherwise in the past, calling for U.S. formally to recognize Artsakh, just like they have recognized all the other U.N. member states. I mean, this all goes back to, and Edgar's, Edgar's going to love this, this all goes back to 1994 when Levon Terpedrosian was our president. And... We had a war that was won, a war that was won, and at the time, Nagorno-Karabakh was taken over by Armenians. We had won the battle on the ground, pushed them back so far out that we could have, and you could confirm, we spoke to several people about this and read several articles about this, that a a very large portion was taken over by the Armenians Almost to the Arax River. And that piece of shit, Levon Derbedrosian, told us to pull back. And instead of standing up for our country, and guys, these are facts. Instead of our president standing up for our country and saying, congratulations, everybody. This is our land. This is ours. All seven regions are ours. Armenia now is a larger country. 
He turns around. He makes a. He basically writes a statement, goes to Azerbaijan, puts the piece of paper in front of the Azerbaijani prime minister, and says, um, "Can you please sign this so we can uh, confirm that this land is taken over?" Do you know what the Azerbaijani president says to him? In in layman's terms, he says, "Go fuck yourself." And that was the biggest flaw that that moron had is that he didn't declare that as Armenian land, this war wouldn't have never happened. Because that would have been part of Armenia, that would have been part of the whole treaty that Russia and Armenia have together. And if Artsakh was, and not even Artsakh, if Armenia was attacked by Azerbaijan today, we would have Big Brother Russia basically helping us up today. That That is the biggest flaw that Armenia had because of corrupt leaders. Very good. Good job, man. Sorry. That's I went, amazing. I went, a, I went on a rant for a Ooh, second. I mean, I there are some it. WikiLeaks, I'm going to say, or some declassified documents out there that um, they were out, they're out that there, talk man. about what Levon Petrosian was telling U.S. ambassador and other officials at the time. So I'll just leave it for people to read and make their It's out there, people. That. It's out there. We need to... Our, our community has a very short, short memory. We need to understand who our first president was, second president was, third one, and the fourth one, for that matter. But we won't talk about the fourth. I will never talk about our government during war times. God willing, let this work. And tomorrow, you'll hear some stuff from me. <laughs> I don't know, man. Till then, I won't say a word. We got any questions? We wanna, we, there was a, there's a bunch of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, we have, like, there's some arguments going on as far as <laughs> 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 who's at fault, who's not at fault. Uh, I think it was Garo asking earlier mm-hmm. uh, that how come the NCA does not again you you may disagree with this but uh, why don't they support the Republican Party more especially now that the White House and Senate is controlled by the Rebu- mm-hmm. Republicans and come comes November possibly so can the Congress and maybe another four years of the White House so uh, again I I I, I know. You're not either disclosing or you maybe you don't know, but uh, based on, like I said, the interviews and based on the fact that Arson has worked for Beto O'Rourke and mm-hmm. Ellen, one of the former executive directors, who I know is a Democrat, and I can almost guarantee you so is Hamparian and Nora. Uh, why, that, that's the issue I personally have as well, that mm-hmm. you, you can't lean on one party versus the other because as we know every four years you know there's a shift of power so we have to in order to accomplish what we want uh just like if you ask me the whole march it's all great every april 24th we close our businesses we march but as stepan says why do we close our (laughs) business why don't we keep our businesses open and donate 100 percent of the proceeds of that day to armenia Mm -hmm. that that could be 10, 20, 50 million dollars. I don't know how much money Armenian businesses make on April 24th, yeah. right? So these are simple ideologies that we have yet to apply. And I hope this war is going to change that because it's going to, because what's happening is what I love about it is that the new generation, our generation, is waking up. They're standing up to, to everything. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're having this interview right now. Absolutely. If you asked me five, ten years ago, I honestly could care less to interview anybody from ANC or any other organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, I personally care because I have two young kids who have an Armenian DNA born in the United States, and I'm concerned whether they're going to have an Armenian to go back to one of these days. Sure. You know, and, and I think a lot of 
our friends, brothers and sisters out there can relate to that. So that's why I keep on going back and some of our viewers keep on going back to this whole red mm -hmm. and blue mm -hmm. that we, we can't pick a side. We have to pick the side who is in power, who has influence. Yeah. No, I, you mentioned a few things, so maybe I'll sure, sure. very quickly. I'll shut up now so you can. <laughs> so <laughs> you take a pee break, you come back, you want to talk On for April 24th, um, this year we tried something new. You guys might have seen that. Um, the donation for um, Feeding America campaign um, that we were yes. raising funds. And yes. I think that was very successful and I was very happy we were able to basically bring that idea to life within a couple of weeks and we're very successful in that and got a lot of good media coverage and actually brought back that whole Near East Relief story as a community here giving back to the Americans in need. Because when else, when else can we give yeah. to Americans in need? I mean, this is literally the richest country in the world. So uh, definitely I think there is a greater understanding and appreciation for trying to break from the mold and do new things and, 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 you know, whatever you're suggesting might be another idea. There's plenty of them, and I'm, I'm very grateful that these conversations are happening, and um, I think we need to start trying new things and really elevate our message to the next level. Oh, also, I had a suggestion as far as it's just a suggestion. Just like when you look at the parliament in Armenia, 50 and above, even though we had a revolution two years ago, still the parliament is 50 and above. Mm. Same thing with ANCA. I think it's time to bring the new generation into power. To the I, I love the fact that you're young and in power there. I wish there was more of you there. Yeah. I mean, to the credit of the ANCA Western region, at least, I have to say that we have a great mix of folks, um, age-wise, gender-wise, experience-wise, and also political viewpoints. Two genders, wise. I hope, only. Two genders. Okay. Um, There's a third? <laughs> Anyway, so um, from that perspective, I was going to say, I mean, there may be individuals within the organization like Arsene who works for Beto campaign or others. There's also others to balance that out. It's not like entirely the, the board and staff make up about 15, 16 people. Not all of them are on the forefront. Like it's usually just me and a couple other folks who are the face of the organization. But I can assure you that we definitely do have the appreciation for that nuance. I am number one to go out and say that the moment the Armenian cause becomes partisan of one issue of one or the other party is that they were doomed. Yeah. Because if Democrats come to power as a payback to us, they do something or vice versa. Right. That's something we're trying to avoid. And since at least I have been around and at the office, we have made um, increased attempts to also reach out to, in, in addition to others, the California Republican Party. I mean, last year this time I was in uh, Palm Springs at the Republican convention. We were actually the only ethnic group, American ethnic group, who were present there uh, spreading the message, basically. And so I do man. agree that we need to do increased outreach. There is never a shortage of outreach we can do with either party. And can we bring in more Republican friends into fold? I absolutely think we can. Same thing goes for Libertarian, Green, Democrat. Mm -hmm. So I do share that a comment and concern from uh, the person who asked that question. And, I mean, we're going to try to do more. We are trying to establish greater presence in um, other states outside of California, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, uh, Colorado, you name it. And so I think with that increased capacity in other states, we will also see increased um, onboarding of Republican candidates as well. Not to say that they are not now, because we do also endorse and support Republican candidates. I want to make that absolutely clear. It just happens to be we're in California. So I think as we expand more, we will make, I think that will make it more evident. 
Now, let me ask you this. The three of us aren't the biggest fan of him, and a lot of our viewers aren't the biggest fan of him either. Who? Um, Adam Schiff. Oh. Do you guys have communication and talks with Adam Schiff? How, how yes. is the communication with the ANCA and Adam Schiff? Yeah, I mean, as again, as a grassroots organization representing uh, so our there, community. There is communication. Absolutely, there okay. is, yes. Now, I mean, it, I, as much as I, I hate saying it, but he's got a lot of connections in Washington. Mm-hmm. And the guy lives in the East Coast. Um, is there any way you can continue to kind of, you know, pressure him a little bit more as far as with the ANCA, whether it's, uh, on a political level or maybe even possibly, I don't know, financial level to kind of have him advocate for us more, push this more as far as bringing it up in Washington more and more and more to the point where they just go, all right, you know what, we'll listen to you. Because at this point, I mean, every couple of years he comes and turns around and says, you know, Armenians, Armenians, hoorah, hoorah. He waves a little flag around uh, saying, you know, he supports us. But mm-hmm. now is the time that we need him the most. And... Again, Sorry, he's out of state, boy. You can't. I know, I know. And as much as, like I said, the three of us aren't the biggest fan of him, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are uh, a lot of viewers that aren't a fan of him, but uh, he's a powerful person as far as in Washington, and he has connections. Is there something we can do to kind of pressure him more? And instead of him having one or two posts on social media and speaking about it in Washington, do a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, like any other elected official, we work with Congressman Schiff, and um, I have to say he has been very supportive of our community. I mean, we, we I don't want to necessarily get bogged down on this issue, but we are certainly working with him to try to elevate and use his position as a senior leader in Congress to bring this issue higher up, because at the end of the day, he's the chair of the Intelligence community, uh, Committee mm-hmm. in Congress. That's a very powerful committee, and he wields a lot of power, especially with Democrats having the majority in the House of Representatives. So we're working with him and his staff very closely in trying to have him, just like any other elected official, advocate in greater capacity is on there behalf a way of our we, community. Is there a way we could put it into second gear? We're certainly working on it. I mean, I have to say, Congressman Schiff has been very supportive of our community. Um, in addition to coming to our rallies, he has been um, instrumental in the House of Representatives. It may not always be public on what he's doing, uh, but I'm always the believer that we can always push it to the next gear, as you said. And so we will we will try to apply that pressure on everyone, including especially on the more um, powerful members um, in the Senate and the House of Representatives. Can you just uh, like you're asking about Adam Schiff, right? Yeah. OK, like just play it by yourself in your own head. You think what do you think is going to happen? Adam Schiff is going to have a door to talk to Trump about no, this. It's not, Adam it's, Schiff it's, is like the worst person that. If Adam Schiff shows up and says, "Hey, the sky is blue," Trump's gonna say, "No, the sky is yellow." Today. Well, here's the thing: it's not you about understand? it's not about Trump right now. It's what he was just no, saying. It's all about Trump today. I get, listen, listen to what I'm saying, though. He was just me- mentioning it. The majority of the House of Representatives is Democratic right now, and what are they gonna do? Is they're gonna start listening to him? It's about a t- it's, about, it's about bringing attention to the situation that's happening in Artsakh right now. That's all it's about right now. Uh, again, going back to what we were saying about Trump and Biden, forget about all that. It's about bringing attention to what's going on. We are being attacked by terrorists. That's the topic of the of the freaking year, I'd say, at this point. 2020 right now, to the Armenian community, should not be outlined about Kobe, should not be outlined about COVID, because at this point in my life, and I'm sure in all of your lives as well, I think COVID is, a back, is on the back burner. Right now, it's all about Artsakh. COVID was on the back burner as of... March 27th. Well, I took it off the stove for a little bit, and then <laughs> I put it back on because of work and stuff. But then now it's, yeah. But it should be 
the topic of 2020 right now. Especially for, you know, California, man. Where majority of the Armenians are. And our congressman is Adam Schiff. Who, so who's what, running against Adam Schiff right uh, now? Eric Early. Eric Early? Yes. Who's Mike Garcia? They mentioned Mike Garcia. Mike Garcia well. is not running against. Okay. So let's say Eric Early, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Early is running as a Republican. Adam mm-hmm. Schiff's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you decide? Um, because you know Adam Schiff has absolutely zero relationship with the current president because he's tried to impeach him 8,000 times already. That's what he does morning to night. Right. So uh, knowing. Knowing that, that mm-hmm. his word is just not going to uh, get to Trump or you know, he's not going to bite by I work against you is what I'm saying. I'll work against you. I don't even want Sh- uh, Schiff to support us today. I don't. So my question is this. Knowing that, let's assume if Eric Early has a chance. I don't know what the polls look like or whatnot. But if he has a chance of winning, have you guys uh, at all talked to Eric Early or... Uh, showed any support or anything for let's assume if he does get elected mm-hmm. which the chances are very low mm-hmm. but so that he doesn't turn his back against the Armenian community and say you know what the NCA didn't really help me get elected they helped Adam Schiff uh, now I'm just not going to put too much effort into their cause mm-hmm. how do you guys manage that kind of the political chess game yeah you know? I mean, we have a formal endorsement process that we have established mm-hmm. um, whereby candidates um, are invited to fill out questionnaires. And then based on that, you know, there may be interviews or may not be interviews. Um, and then based on that, at the very end, I guess, given all the pluses and minuses in the history with a particular candidate or elected official is when the board basically um, makes its final recommendation or decision um, and more often than not, if there are local chapters that are involved in the process, they are engaged as well in the decision-making process. So given, um, I mean, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I'm going to say we have not had a meeting with Eric early, um, nor do I recall him filling out the questionnaire that we have in place. Um, and, I mean, couple that with the 20-year track record of congressmanship in Congress and his uh, all, all that he has done um, work with the ANCA and, uh, and other Armenian organizations and other community members. Uh, I mean, he single-handedly, um, from the Democratic side, was the uh, main engine behind the Armenian Genocide um, Resolution in Congress. So there is definitely a um, very solid case for um, us to continue supporting um, Congressman Schiff just based on all of these different processes and procedures. Just that track I record, basically, at this point. Yeah. Like I'm saying, for me, it's more of like bringing attention. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. If you're going to bring attention to what's happening in Artsakh, by all means, do it. I mean, I, I look at Eric Early. He's been one of our guests. I get it. Way. I get it. His campaign manager is an Armenian young person, mm-hmm. young, young Armenian guy. He was here. Remember? Yeah. David. Do I know much about Eric Early's uh, political views? Not much. But the fact that the man was willing to come sit here and talk to us... Mm-hmm. On his campaign, we have we tried to get Adam Schiff on here? Well, we've we reached out, haven't gotten a response yet. Thank you. I knew that was the answer. I was just trying to reached s- out to who? Adam Schiff. Oh shit. Yeah, I haven't gotten a response yet. You will not. Maybe Armin could text him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have him on my speed dial. But no. <laughs> no, like I said, right now, as far as 
the current situation of Armenia and Artsakh. Again, I'm putting all politics aside as far as Democrat and Republican. Mm-hmm. It's all about who can step up to the plate and literally, you know, speak about it and put your money where your mouth is. You you come by and you ask for support from the Armenian community all this time. Okay, now the Armenian community needs you. Where are you? Did did ANCA support BLM? We put out a statement during that whole movement in support of racial justice in the United States, but did not endorse BLM as an organization or as a movement per but, se. But you put out a statement. We did. How about, because the marches were even in Glendale. How was that organized? Who organized the march in Glendale? It had to be... The BLM? Yes. I actually can't... Artie, I Artie was, was part of the Glendale one. So, so Glendale does not recognize Artsakh as an independent nation, but yet we invite BLM to come and march in Glendale and support their cause. Why hasn't BLM put out a statement? Why don't you guys demand, for example, because but BLM is, is a big name now. Nobody knew about BLM until George Floyd. All of a sudden, BLM is bigger than the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you guys demand for these types of organizations who have such broad audience to uh, to make a statement. Yeah, uh, we, don't need their, we don't need their full-on support like you just mentioned. It's more, you know what? Make a statement. Yeah. Say something. Not just BLM. Anybody else out there or some of the celebrities out there who have mm-hmm. a huge following. I, it, it just seems like anybody that said anything, they retracted within 45 minutes because they get bombarded by... Azari bots. Azari bots. bots or whatever yeah. else it is. Why aren't we doing that? Is it because you don't have the manpower? You don't have the finances? What what is what is holding you guys back? Because yeah. you you are the largest Armenian advocacy group organization mm-hmm. in the world, as far as I know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. That's so fair. what what's missing? Um, hard to tell. I mean, we have definitely reached out to a number of coalition partners. Uh, quite a few of them have actually come out in support statements not blm as uh, such yet at least not that i've seen um but there have been others and there have been a lot of celebrities also that have come out a couple of them have retracted and then retracted the retraction i mean it's just this like joke game of chicken we're playing here um so it's an ongoing process i mean just simple as that as i mentioned to you we are uh, i mean we are the largest armenian advocacy group but we're also like our our, our resources are not limitless so, so we yeah, have to we prioritize start there maybe i mean start where blm no staff when we have only 10 people as the staff yeah i'm talking about paid staff yes i understand we have volunteers that mm-hmm. volunteers don't have any responsibilities on their shoulders their only job is to help the 10 people that are on the staff true that's a f- so fair if point. we go yeah. from 10 people to 60 people staff mm-hmm. which is very very easily doable you know that yeah today especially today with the amount of look on this type of show i'm very calm and i like to joke around but the armenia issue i mean john just said ed relax he's right i just get worked up when it comes to this issue i have not slept in 20 days mm-hmm. i just can't bring myself to go to bed yeah. i'm up in the yard just sitting there till four or five in the morning close my eyes for an hour and a half six thirty i'm up again and it's just getting to me mm-hmm. that's why we should probably look at the staff you think that would be a good I mean, option? Going back to our earlier conversation, and I wouldn't make this pitch right now because I think all the funds um, need to go to Armenia Fund, and mm-hmm. I'm personally dedicating my monthly salary as long as I can sustain that to Armenia Fund, like all the funds we can get to our brothers and sisters in the front line, that n- number one place. But once 
thank God this calms down and we end up victorious in this war effort, uh, we need to definitely look at that. And I do invite the community members who are watching us or not watching us or listening to us to, to look into it, to get uh, not necessarily making the pitch for the ANCA, but for get their involved. community organizations. Mm -hmm. um, and, and look how you can support financially as a volunteer, as a staff maybe one day. I mean, we, uh, this year, we've been very lucky. We brought in 30 interns um, up to now from June, since the beginning of COVID until now. This is something unheard of. I get to work and interact with some of the brightest minds in our community, the college students. I mean, just absolutely brilliant, um, brilliant students. And so I would definitely want for a lot of them to be able to see the ANCA or name your Armenian community organization as their career path. Um, I'm lucky enough to have very extensive connections with the Jewish American community here in Los Angeles and throughout. I mean, just the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles wields a staff of 150 people. Thank you. Uh, which is wonderful. And I mean, I have the highest respect for that community and everything that they do. So as you said, it's not something that we can't do. This is something very real. And even if we up what I'm trying to say is right now, the marginal utility for us increasing staff outweighs the cost of it. So we add one staff. Our job doesn't increase by that one staff amount. It increases a couple, twofold or threefold or fivefold. So uh, I'm certainly looking forward to a day where our community organizations um, are fully staffed and have all the resources at their disposal to really do the work on a qualitatively other level. Um, I mean, right now what we're doing is amazing and you know kudos to everyone but from volunteer and intern all the way to the board members who have been doing this for decades yeah. but to say that we can't make this even better it would be a lie so yeah. definitely call to everyone get involved make your voices heard because that's the only way we get to become stronger as a community the way i look at it armin i mean i've known the anca and i always thought it's a big organization until i just learned staff is 10 people to me that's a surprise you mm -hmm. know because that's a lot of work for 10 people. Yeah. And interns help. It's beautiful. I love it. But I expected to hear 120. Mm -hmm. Minimum. Heard, minimum. Yeah. And when I heard 10 people, I was like, huh? <laughs> See, what? you were saying something about volunteers. Now, besides us being at war in the front lines as far as on the battlefield, there's also a very huge cyber war going on as well. Now, here and there, we mentioned something about bots and stuff. Mm -hmm. Is there any way, and you, you mentioned, you know, you have young kids, college kids, are and... Mind you, a lot of these younger kids are very tech savvy. They practically live off of this damn thing mm -hmm. on social medias and on uh, other uh, internet platforms. Now, is there any way as far as having some of these kids who are familiar with the dark web and are, who are familiar with bots and you know social media to get them to actually do what the Azeris are doing? Because, you know what? God willing, you know, we, we win this... Uh, battlefield as far we win the war on the battlefield but as far as cyber wars we're losing especially mm -hmm. on Twitter these pieces of shit are going out there and using bots writing the same thing over and over and over and over in different formats with Azeri flags and Turkish flags and posting it on influencers websites is there any way the ANCA can get involved as far as having volunteers or having tech people as mm -hmm. far as or even hiring tech people to create some sort of bots to help us on the cyber end of this war yeah. To bring that attention, because apparently we're we can't we, we're very we're lacking in the tech field when we should be striving I, yeah. I, or I thriving. I'm sorry, thriving. I just don't believe my ears as far as that the ANCA has far 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 less employees than I personally employ. How is that possible? I mean, 
just doesn't the numbers it's don't add up. I, I mean, paid employees. Exactly. The rest are volunteers. Yeah, but volunteers can only do so much, so much, or they're willing to do so much, and they're only so much information that could be, I'm assuming, uh, given to them. Uh, so, mm -hmm. is it lack of financing? You guys only have ten, ten actual salaried employees, or because uh, I would think you would have to have different departments. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I run a small business and I have multiple departments. Yeah. There were a couple things I'm trying to <laughs> try to address. Um, firstly, on the tech side, um, the you guys might have seen the report of t Twitter, uh, not Twitter, Facebook closing down something like 8,000 fake accounts connected to the Azeri government. Yet another flop on their end. Well, we almost um, got shut down about 30 minutes ago. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but, I mean, these are known bots, robots, not human beings. Um, to the credit of our interns, actually, they, ha they organize almost like weekly tweet-a-thon type of activities, and uh -huh. we get different hashtags trending um, in the area. I mean, last time we did it, we had something like one, um, I, I don't want to misspeak, misspeak, but we had like number one trending in LA and number two in California, something like that. So those efforts are being done, not just by us, I think by others as well. And then ANCA DC office just came out with the call to action. It's anca.org forward slash tweet. And they have like pre-formatted tweets for people like 20 at a time or something like that, that you can tweet at your elected officials based on your zip code calling on them to Retweet, retweet it? Or? Not retweet. You just click one button, and on your account, if you have a Twitter account, it already sends, Auto. like, ten tweets to the different people. Hey, like, Senator Feinstein, why aren't you doing this? Or It's automatically. It's, it's automatic on your behalf. So I, And it's updated every single day, so I'll invite people to visit anca.org forward slash tweet, and you can already help just by spreading I've the word I've seen that. those, and I've, and I've sent a lot of those because of social yeah, media. Yeah, you, you swipe it's, up, it's, it's there, it's mm -hmm. ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And then to, to your question, uh, Armand John, uh, it, it is largely uh, a matter of finances and sustainability. Uh, for the longest time, I think this might be one of the zenith points of ANC in terms of staff. I'll be honest with you. I mean, from what I know, in the 90s, it was even worse. Um, so we have definitely been building, I think, a stronger profile in the community. I think we have been having more people supporting us financially and otherwise. But it is largely a matter of being able to sustain the volume. I mean, it's their need. And w do we have the capacity to absorb more staff? I think we all are in agreement that we do. And maybe it, it goes to the testament of everyone involved in the organization, board members, interns, volunteers, and staff alike, that we have been able to uh, – that kind of goes back to my initial point when I said as an organization and a community, we've been punching above our weight. That's kind of what I was alluding to, mm -hmm. making the most with the least amount of resources that we have. And again, I mean, let's get this war over and done with and win it all together. And then after that, I think we need to restart a conversation as a community of – how do we get to the next level and what organizations do we support? It's not only the war. I mean, the rebuilding aspect of all this. Right. But, but what I'm trying to understand is, is it because there's a lack of education as far as people truly don't understand what, what you do? Because I, I can't imagine why you can't mm -hmm. raise money uh, to, to, mm -hmm. to have the capacity to hire more or do whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's what I'm I'm still having a challenge because usually typically in anything just like if you present today you could come out with the best invention cure cancer mm -hmm. right but if you don't know how to market it how to educate the consumer nobody knows about it you could 
cure anything. You could have, uh, you could have the pill to immortality. Doesn't mean anything if you don't know how to get to your audience. So, is do you think it's lack of education as far as people don't know what you do, mm-hmm. or is it just our community is not so involved, advocacy driven as far as and involved? They, they they still don't understand the concept of you know we have to have these organizations that advocate for us in order for us to uh, become like the you know mm-hmm. the Jewish community and advance within. Uh, other communities. I mean, what, what, what do you think the challenge yeah, is? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple, I think. Number one, even you guys, before our conversation, had a different conception of the ANCA, right? So I think a lot of people automatically just think ANCA has got it all covered, and to a certain degree, we do. Um, and so, like, they have it all figured out. Like, they have everything they need. I'll kind of focus my attention on something else. So I think a lot of people just don't realize that there is a capacity for the ANCA to... Uh, absorb and bring in additional resources to be able to expand our activities. And I think the second one, I think you really hit it on the nail. The community doesn't really value advocacy as much. To my, uh, That's my opinion, personally. And advocacy is something that we can't turn around and say, you put in $10, like, you know, how you donate $10 and it gives 10 rice meals to someone somewhere right. in the world. We can't make that <clears throat> translation. Oh, your $15 donation to the ANCA means... Um, Tomorrow we're going to get some bill passed that's going to ha- because we can't guarantee those type of things. Like uh, advocacy is such a long-term investment. It's all relationships-based, right? I mean, you have to have the capacity to meet with the governors, with the lieutenant governors, with the electeds, with the campaigns, mm-hmm. and be able to maintain that vast network of connections over a long period of time to then one day, for the lack of a better term, cash in on the power and the relationships that you've been able to build. So it's a very long-term investment that a lot of people probably just don't find it um, interesting enough or uh, whatever the decision is to really get invested. Question, let's, off topic, let's just switch the topic on this one. Can I address something real quick about BLM? By the way, guys, we're not, couple people commented about BLM. We're not saying to get BLM involved into the Armenian no, cause. Man, All we're saying watch. is if the Armenians did support BLM, which I saw everybody posting Black Lives Matter and all that, you know, uh, if, they, if they have 200 million eyeballs, for example, looking at their Instagram and everything else, why shouldn't we take advantage of just a simple publication like you said you guys made a statement about it you didn't necessarily promote it or whatever just a statement that's all we're saying we're not saying blm needs to come march with us no we don't want to be at all affiliated with that nonsense looting and whatever bullshit they did destroying property no it's more so about the more eyeballs that can see a statement about armenia's innocence and the terrorism that how we're being attacked the more it's going to help yeah. our cause. That that's all we're at, we're saying. Just this to make is, it clear. This is why I was so pissed off at Serena Williams. Every guys, if if you guys didn't hear the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I was I was venting about Serena Williams, saying that why haven't you said anything? You have a half Armenian child. Your kid is half Armenian, and the people would turn around and say, "Oh well, her husband is posting something." Well, no shit, her husband is posting something. Guys, Armenian. But you know what? Her husband stepped down from Reddit because of Black Lives Matter. Because saying, oh, you know what? It needs to be equal. If your husband was willing to step down for you, why don't you step up for your husband? I have yet to see one post 
I have yet to see one story, a 24-hour story on your page she stating... Has. No, she hasn't. Yes, she has. No, she hasn't. Which one? The photoshopped? Yeah. Bullshit, man. <laughs> That's not her. Bullshit. <laughs> is it photoshopped? Yeah, of course it is. is. Oh she has God. not said one thing. You have a half-Armenian kid. I don't care what happens. You know what? That kid is going to grow up not knowing her Armenian roots. Doesn't she have an Armenian last name, the child? Oh, Hanyan. Okay. <laughs> I, I st- I, she is not Armenian. Who? Her kid. Serena? Her, or no, her, her kid. kid. Her kid is not Armenian. Well, that's between the two of them to decide. Well, we it's, can't it's, decide it's that. pretty much clear who wears, the, who wears the pants in that relationship. I, I just have to quickly say, guys, that obviously the ANC didn't make a, the, the, the statement on the movement um, f- with the expectation that we're going to cash in on that down the road. But, of course, we have reached out to all the coalition partners, and we need to make this movement um, attractive enough, in a sense, from the marketing perspective, that people come on board and support us. I mean, we need to continue raising awareness. No, 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 of course. Here's the we'll, thing. We'll, we'll we're, we're fully aware that you guys didn't do it for them to kind of, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back sort of thing. But it's more of like, as, you know, there's an Armenian saying, that's what it is. It's like, did you guys not, it's like, okay, you know what? The Armenian community is backing you up. You have so many Armenians who are married to black people. You have the Kardashian, uh, Kim Kardashian, married to Kanye West. You have Alexei Ohanian, Ohanian, who is married to Serena Williams. Guys, this is a humanitarian thing. This isn't a, a po- I don't think political this is thing. Kim's first black guy either. Oh, well, that we know for sure. Oh, shit, I shouldn't have said but that. That's, Anyways. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's about, you know what? Humanitarian people supporting each other. Uh, we're, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. But apparently we're not. Communication-wise, U.S. Armenia, we also have a ministry of uh, foreign affairs. Foreign affairs, yeah. Zara Sinanian, diaspora commissioner. Diaspora yeah. commissioner. Communications, well, today with them, yes. Between us, yeah, very much. Yes. So I mean, and you guys are on a constant communication with Zara. I'm guessing, yeah. I mean, actually, Zara Sinanian used to be um, at some point the ANC Western Region board member. Um, and um, I mean, we we are we work closely with all the Armenian government um, structures and coordinate to the extent allowed by law. Because obviously, we after all represent our community here and don't take our marching orders from the government, and at times go at odds with the government policies, like with the protocols back in the day and otherwise. But especially these days, with everything happening in Artsakh and Armenia, we try to coordinate to the extent possible just to make sure that our efforts are as effective as possible especially when it comes to sending aid which foundations to support at the very beginning there was a whole confusion well where do we send the money because yeah, himna dram so, and armenia fund from now what i understand now is the same but i for one i was confused between the two yeah so armenia fund is the u.s affiliate so to say uh, so it's for tax purposes and otherwise it's better to go with armeniafund.org yeah. so yeah when it comes to those type of things or some something happens in armenia or Artsakh that needs further pub, uh, publicization we do get some information from the government war crimes cluster bombs being used other things so there's definitely the two-way communication there Speaking of cluster bombs, I mean, the whole humanitarian factor and them violating international laws and all that, how, whether you guys have, you know, international attorneys uh, on payroll or not, Mm -hmm. shouldn't matter. How about taking that, that angle as far as you cannot be bombing hospitals and churches and Mm -hmm. civilian towns? I mean, that's not, there's different 
laws. Again, I'm not an attorney by any means, so why why not push that angle if, well, if we you are, haven't? We are. No, we are. And Amnesty International actually came out with a report. Mm-hmm. So it's this third-party validation that normally um, seek not by us, not sought not by us, but others. So we are using the Amnesty International report on the use of cluster bombs and other war crimes perpetrated against um, Artsakh civilians, including the bombing of the Subhrajanchetsots, uh, the uh, bombings of hospitals, kindergarten right. schools, uh, violation of Artsakh students' right to education. Um, there's all of these different things that we hit on. But again, I mean... It's just as frustrating Why to us. Why does it imagine. take so much time? I yeah. don't get it. It's, 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 it's hard to break through some thick walls of ignorance. I don't know what to tell you guys. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle. And I have to tell you, it's obviously not in vacuum. We're kind of almost coming back to square one where we're talking about PR firms and lobbyists and whatnot. Right now, we're also very much involved with others in this campaign to try to get U.S. PR firms who have taken on Turkey and Azerbaijan as their clients to drop them and continue whitewashing their genocidal policies and activities in the region. And we're starting with Mercury uh, Public Affairs. Today we had a protest today. There was a protest. We had in the entire Los Angeles City Council members sign a letter, very stern letter, saying we're not going to have any dealings with Mercury Public Affairs until and unless you drop your client and your client is the Republic of Turkey. And we're basically going to go after all of these guys. That's what needs um, to be done. So we're, we're also kind of doing that approach Hit as well. Money. And it's not just the ANCA, but it's we're definitely yeah, part of that. The way it's I all about their pocket. Any problem, anything, you can apply this to anything in life. You want to find the end result, follow the money. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And anything. Hit them where it hurts. And financially. That, and that's why, again, going back to what the whole tariffs on the steel industry, 50%, how many billions of dollars do you think that hurt Turkey? Right? A lot. Huge. That's what you got to do. It's not necessarily about, oh yeah, we're going to go out there, we're going to put a bullet in his head. Mm-hmm doesn't work that way you want to bring down somebody to their knees take away their financial resources so that, that's how well it works. the latter one works too no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> financially man fi- so what is their what is their form of currency turkeys lira lira shit basically it, it's it, plastic straws are or actually the new paper straws are worth well more the than. toilet paper at costco <laughs> it's worth more <laughs> That that talk Rare is too commodity. cheap, guys. That talk is too cheap. That's a country of eighty million. I can't call them people, but eighty million. Population. I understand, but but look, we obviously have. We are very much emotionally invested in this. We come from Armenia, or whether you were born here or not, or wherever you were born, you still your DNA is Armenian. Somehow you're connected. Red, blue, orange, baby. Yeah. So, but but again, then we look at. Now all of a sudden we realized, well, we need to uh, stop buying from uh, importing Turkish products into Armenian groceries. And you go to Armenia, it's like 80% of the uh, clothing and everything is from Turkey. It's like, what the hell are we doing? I wonder if you go to Turkey, are Mm -hmm. there any made in Armenia t-shirts there or uh, like jams and whatever else? Yeah, it's a maybe very there is. Question. Maybe I've there is. I'm not sure. I I don't plan on going to Turkey. I, so I, I, you have to look at it this way. We talked about this. It's who's your closest neighbor as far as that you can import export from Turkey? America. Get it from America. Come on. Yeah, bro, which really? one? Is, which one is cheaper to bring into the country with a country that's basically struggling financially? Now again, this, uh, this, this all goes back to money. Europe. I, exa- I know. I understand that. But again. Which one is closer? 
Okay, you mean to tell me Europe being, let's say, some of the countries being a thousand miles away makes that world of a difference to when buy it from your a, enemy who try to annihilate you? For a country, you? for a country that's very, that's whose GDP and who's financially not strong enough, every penny counts. And not to mention, remember, we were we were run by a pretty it's corrupt <laughs> corrupt system where no. the money coming in was basically. Where is it? The analogy today? is sorry. It's like. People rob your house. I know, Armujan. I then know. I know. You I go know, up bro. to them and you say, "Hey, I heard you're in the security business. Can you sell me a security no, system know, at a I discount?" Know, I like, know. Oh yeah, sure. So why let me not? tell you. Let me give you my understanding <laughs> of it. The people that get on the buses and go to Turkey, yes. bring back a couple boxes. Sometimes they even have issues bringing in a couple boxes. These people need that money to survive. I understand we don't like Turks. But if your economy is not allowing your population to support itself within your limits and they have to go to the enemy's land to bring a couple boxes every month to sell those pieces of clothing to feed their kids, I can't say anything to them. Unless I'm willing to go there and give them work, I shouldn't be able to say anything. Listen, this can I'm all right. be this can all be turned around. This can all be changed. What happened? Do we well, lose? Do we get cut off? No. Okay. This can all be turned around. This can all be changed. How is on a financial level? If Armenia is stronger financially, we can afford to buy from France. We can afford to import from Italy. Import from the from you know the Scandinavian countries. We can import from there. But for right now, we look at it as what's the cheapest method of importing and exporting right now it's i mean 2020 it's, my friend I, they're not I, importing on horses i mean do I you, you think that. the cost difference man do you know half, i don't know what the cost the difference is you buy on amazon i don't know what the cost difference is but i'll tell China? you this much i'll tell you this much i don't know what the cost difference is but i'll tell you this much that it's probably cheaper to bring it in from turkey than bring it in from europe 100 go buy one of those bullshit chinese uh shirts on amazon And see where it's coming from. China. You have it in three days from China. And it costs you $7 for a well, uh, button again, shirt. I, I majority of them is not coming from China. It is. No. Some of these warehouses that you think it's from China. They, yes. Some of them drop ship. But a lot of them send it directly from there. Because my point is shipping cost is not like John said. It's not what it used to be 100 years ago. When you buy something from China, directly from China, whether yes. it's AliExpress, Alibaba, mm -hmm. any of the, how long does it take to get here? It depends if it's coming on boat or plane. Okay. A lot of times I've, it's come on plane and I get it in four days. If it's on boat, it's four, five, six weeks. Depends on customs. So, again, this is this is coming from basically like a website. Hima, I don't know what Armenia's relationship with China is as far as import-export. <laughs> well, But maybe there is no relationship. Maybe there is no import-export relationship with China. Do. I, do. You there know is, what I mean? There, there is there, a there's relationship. Thing. I mean, I know they're, uh, they're, Armenia is big on their solar panels the last five, six years, and it's coming in from China. No, so look at it this way. Yeah, you, living is. in the United States, there's shit that you want to buy online where you put in your zip code and it does not ship to location. And the, you're in the United States. So imagine if you're in Armenia and you want to buy something online and you put in... Whatever it is, it, but you know, do you know why that is though? There it, is no relationship, probably. Has, there is no import relationship. No, I mean, even from certain states, you want to order something in, in California, you're not going to get it. Our borders are shut. Okay, we have a, how many how many ways do we have into Armenia? We have Georgia, piece of shit well, Georgia. Maybe Armin knows. I mean, how many? <laughs> you tell us, Armin. <laughs> well, Armin Armin doesn't have how many, a lot of options. How many avenues do we have into Armenia? I mean, two at two, this point. three. Best. There you go. 
I mean, a couple from Georgia, one from Iran. Okay, and, and so we can't import anything from China or Europe oh, or Armenia, anywhere else? Armenia does report, uh, import a lot from China. Same thing with Russia and the European Union. Uh, Russia and EU being the biggest trade partners for Armenia. So, I mean, it's being done. Yet every gift I've received from Armenia says made in Turkey. I, I, I can't <laughs> fathom how that's... And then some of Does them. Does Iran like have a relationship with the EU? <laughs> Iran has a lot of sanctions. You issues, see, bro. Okay, stuff is coming from EU. It's gonna fly through Iran or Turkey. Who's it gonna fly through? Iran. They have no relationship with Iran. Who, Who doesn't? EU. Okay, let it go from Turkey. Do they well, have a relationship? They, they, wait, they lo- They don't want your anything going. Through Nothing their flying over, bro. You <laughs> want to get to me? You go fly around and come through Georgia, bro. Ani was here. If she could get military binoculars <laughs> to Armenia. Ani's was different. Ani's was, was on an airplane. Ani's was We're a different. We're not talking about the sleeping bags. I'm talking about <laughs> the other thing we talked about. I understand that. You but mean Ani's to tell is me our government can't get him. Ani's is a different. Okay, Ani's is a different. I promise you, let's send a couple of logistics guys from here to Armenia. They'll figure that thing out in two weeks. Easy, easy. Come back dead. No, no, no they'll I'm figure it out. I, I could think of a few that can go out there and figure it out in two weeks. I'm I not am. a logistics expert. Neither am I. <laughs> or an attorney. I'm a defendant, according to Joe. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is there is, is any, any questions but, we have for Armin? Uh Let's see. We've got a lot of comments. Uh, Guyana says there's a relationship with China. However, the quality that we get here from China is not the same when it goes to Armenia. There you go. Look, I would argue the quality we get here ain't. <laughs> <laughs> lasts about a week. <laughs> yeah, it's like give it a week, it'll collapse. Um, it's time for Armenia. Garen says Armenia needs to get manufacturing, be, be uh, you know, stand on its own two feet. Mm-hmm. John, I dare you. Sorry. You know, one thing about... Garen said that, not Garen. John. No, no, John, John said, don't make me come there and beat some sense into you. I said, I dare you. Into me? No, into me. Oh, into you. I John, you, as John. long as you don't have to beat me up, man, I got somewhere to be after, so... Sorry, Armin, what stories. were you saying, Armin, John? No, I was just saying Armenia is just one of those interesting cases where it was That's basically... It's a post-industrial country that's now pre-industrial again. Honduras. I mean, in, at the height of the Soviet Union, Armenia was producing anything and everything you could imagine i mean within the confines of the communist regime but nevertheless after the collapse and the entire collapse of the industry uh, we're now back to almost being a pre-industrial state again Uh, but there is the capacity i mean we have done it once we can definitely do it again of course we can Um, do it again so we definitely i agree with that comment wholeheartedly armenia needs to um increase its domestic production capabilities because right now we're advancing in technology right it development uh, we have one of the richest natural lands and resources on earth. Armin Urujan said it. He's trying to create a Silicon Valley there. And God willing, it, it blasts and just kind of just Look, takes off. Silicon Valley is probably one of the simpler things to create there because it all it takes is manpower and a little bit of the ecosystem to create the education, to educate, obviously, the young, right? But as far as manufacturing goes, that takes more money financing because you need infrastructure, you need... For God's sake, I'm wearing a shirt that's made in Honduras that has Armenia printed on it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) because the shirt was bought from Honduras and then it was printed in L.A. So don't, don't... That you're shirt tell, wasn't. You're, <laughs> you're telling me Armenians can't make this? I I can guarantee we you Armenians can make yesterday. it better. Remember we talked about this with Ani yesterday. Yeah, of course they can make it, but 
they haven't all this time. But we look. I know there's a lot of good factories that came up in the last two years in the Gyumri area, mm. which are based towards uh, manufacturing of clothing and towels. Actually, they're doing good export business out of Armenia the last mm-hmm. year and a half. Yeah, from those uh, warehouses, which are huge. I love it. State of the art places. Have you guys seen them? Amazing place, no. man. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's videos on those. You got to check them out. It's just I feel like because of our internal issues in Armenia, a lot of our Armenians outside are not comfortable enough to invest in inside Armenia. Armenia. Yeah. Of course not. Because anybody that did was sent back packing the last 30 years. So I, I would have never put a penny in Armenia. Now I would consider it, but back then I wouldn't have. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Anything else? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, you should get the whiskey ready. Is John saying that? <laughs> of course he is. John, yeah. oh John, God. why don't you donate $5,000 right now and we'll get the whiskey ready for people. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro, we're going to be here all night. Forget <laughs> it. John, please don't do that today. John, don't get behind the wheel. It's Tequila Tuesday. You can always Uber and then drive the Uber driver back home. <laughs> Jeez. We'll tell you about that one. Uh, Armin, anything you want to add? As any, far yeah, as seriously, anything what, you want to What can the community do to help you guys out? Yeah. How can we raise more awareness? How can we... I mean, what, what, does, what, what can people do out there? Aside from sitting on their ass and thinking, why, why aren't these people doing enough? And by the way, we, I, earlier I saw a couple of comments about, well, you, you three sitting there in your armchairs, what have you done? Go back to some of our previous episodes. Episode 101. <laughs> Go back to episode 101. <laughs> Did you seriously see people say that? Uh, well, a couple I of honestly, here's what it is. I you wouldn't know. even respond to those people. No, it's fine. Not, but I mean, they don't know who we are, so it's okay. Uh, they want to know what we've done. They can go back. What you got to do is you got to subscribe to the Wise Nuts. Follow us everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and you'll find out who exactly we are. <laughs> uh, Michael Shabazian is asking um, custom issues. Are there any issues as far as customs goes? Um, best way to ship items to Armenia? Do you have any recommendations? I would probably reach out to Armenia Fund because they charter flights all the time. Cargo. Um, cargo to mm-hmm. Armenia so they would have the best logistics um, that's the best way to go and then when it goes to the community I mean I'm always on the side of refraining from anything any commentary that creates any schisms or divisions within the community especially now I mean all for freedom of speech all for speaking your mind but right. I think right now we just can't afford wasting our time and energies on that so I would definitely call on anyone to show a unified front uh, we have basically genocidal two regimes with terrorists attacking our country right now Um, what we can do i mean there's so much i feel like everyone can do their little part it could be anything from seeing if your company does matching and try to maximize that donation to armenia to to educate your workmates to if you have any media contacts leverage those and try to get on your local radio station on your local tv station write an op-ed letter to the editor Anything we can get to get the word out, visit the ANCA website, anca.org. Actually, now we changed the homepage. So when you go, it immediately gives you four buttons on what you can do, like tweet your elected official, write a letter, call your representative. So we have all the political, political end, yeah. end of things. 
right ready to go yeah nice. it's like nice. super easy it's four huge buttons i mean you can't miss that it's anc you gotta be work. blind to miss it basically yeah at this point. um and it's all already pre-made we've tried to make this as easy as possible for our community so i'd invite everyone who is interested to do that type of stuff to absolutely do it and then um i mean we should pursue Artsakh recognition resolutions as well so if there are people listening to us especially outside of california a state that hasn't recognized and is interested like please reach out to us. Obviously, we're a grassroots organization, so we are there to represent our community. And, I mean, I can't say I can get back to people right now um, with any question or comment they have, but I certainly invite for a greater dialogue and communication with us because that's what we're called to do. Okay. And also, just a suggestion, maybe ANCA should, at just for now, maybe a weekly church meeting or something for the community to feel that the ANCA is the hub of our community today mm-hmm. because we're not centralized. And all of us are looking for a central place to call hub, right? And we're, we're lacking that today. Yeah, we, we do put those out, but maybe we should do a better, better job at it mm-hmm. just so that people know where to go, where to come. Maybe we can do like almost reverse town hall where people mm-hmm. come and ask questions and we get to answer those so I think thank I, you for that yeah. I think it was a big eye opener for us and for a lot of people that like I said Arm won't even mention Edgar as well neither one of us had, a, had an idea you guys were a staff of 10 paid staff of 10 that is mm-hmm. um, it should you guys should continue to kind of grow grow staff become more powerful and as far as lobbying is concerned I know you guys don't like the word but Put it on the back. Don't put it on the back burner. Put it on the front burner. Think about it. Talk about it with staff. Talk about it with people in Washington. Talk about it with people in the East Coast. This should be something where the entire world, especially our enemy, and I say this very aggressively, our enemy is doing it. If if you want to basically go against them, I think we have to step up and we have to do it ourselves as well. And and I strongly do believe that if Lobbying is mentioned to, you know, people with deep pockets. The ANCA will grow larger. I promise you that. I promise you. And but it doesn't take millions to lobby. It doesn't, it man. It's very cheap. Tens of thousands, depending on the cost. Sometimes hundreds of thousands. It doesn't take five, ten, two hundred million. That's not what it takes to lobby. I've I've known people who've done it for different purposes. It's like, um, it's like a cheap whore. John, is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Guys, come on. Keep it clean, um, man. But 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 again, I kind of piggybacking on what Edgar said, uh the the community has to learn to trust you guys. Just like they it's taken them a while and it's still working on it as far as trusting the Armenia fund. They have to trust ANCA, not obviously not as a fund, but as an organization that truly advocates like you said, nonpartisan advocacy, right? Which I think is uh, people don't believe that. They, I, I certainly ha- don't, um, and I think majority of conservatives don't. So maybe even I mean, look, AM eight seventy is a huge, huge conservative radio station. I personally listen to Dennis Prager and uh, Larry Elder and uh, uh, Mark Levin and all these other guys whenever I can. Uh, and these guys have millions and millions of followers, conservative followers, who, again, for the again for the cause, terrorists, 
Christians, all whatever angle you guys take, um, their audience will listen and will pay attention. I think so. You know, you can't talk about this on Kiss FM and all these other stations. It has to mm-hmm. be talk radio where educated, intellectual people listen, uh, who can contribute, even whether it be raising funds or whatever it is. Uh, just some suggestions as far as just going above and beyond just with our community because our community like we said still doesn't believe in the advocacy as much and i and part of it is i think the fault of the anca because you're not you guys are not out there uh you're not out there like you said at the churches or wherever our people are to to have the question and q and a's for them to feel comfortable knowing that yeah these guys are mm-hmm. fighting for us yeah um no i mean you guys are making some good points it's it's definitely a work in progress um we we try our best, but I think we should really redouble on our efforts and really um, live up as close to our calling as possible. And I'm very grateful that you know you guys found time for me as well, and it was a pleasure. It was a, probably the longest interview I've done in my life, but definitely don't call it very, an interview, man. Call it a conversation. Conversation, this is a conversation. conversation indeed. And um, probably I didn't make all your viewers satisfied or happy um, with my answers and that's totally fine we'll just continue the conversation and hopefully we'll have uh, more opportunities like this and um, you know you know what it is man it's at the end of the day it's kind of like an experience for for you to kind of go out there and see a different platform as far as what people are thinking and obviously this is out in the public it's going to be on YouTube tomorrow as well it's something that you can take away from it take it back to Staff, take it back to your colleagues, present it to them. Be like, guys, listen, here, this is our Armenian people. Here are A, B, C, D concerns. What do you guys think? And it's kind of like a regrouping thing. It's 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 another tool for you. Simple no, as that. Absolutely, you know it's an I mean? ongoing thing for us as a, as an organization. I mean, when I tell you, we really take stock every day and take in every single piece of praise and criticism. I really mean it uh, from the bottom of my heart and. Um, I mean, if if we don't listen to our community, then we're doomed from the get-go, right? Yeah. And we have literally no support. Um, and and I really found a lot of value in this. And um, hopefully the viewers did as well, at least some of the, you know, topics we talked about. And I'm very grateful to you guys. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your Tuesday to join us, man. We really, really do appreciate it. Thank and you, Armin. Um, we really appreciate it. Before we end the show, let's give a shout-out to all three of our sponsors for Today's show, Steve Bagumian, Bagumian Law, cannabis attorney specializing in contract law, ca- contract law and, and regulations for uh, cannabis, marijuana. So if you have any uh, questions regarding cannabis law, marijuana, contact Steve, 818-275-2465, BagumianLaw.com. Flintridge Family Chiropractors, uh, Michael and Ryan, they've been on our podcast before in the past and hell of a chiropractors guys uh if you want reach out to them 818-952-0172 they specialize in uh auto injuries sports injuries pediatric pregnancy and family wellness care they'll take care of you like family guys they're located on foothill boulevard 845 foothill boulevard la Cunata, california uh, 9011 and their phone number again 818-952-0172 lastly Wild Oak Cafe. Again, guys, breakfast, brunch, lunch. This is the place to go for uh, those breakfast burritos, breakfast sandwiches, those lunch bowls, those burgers, sandwiches. Everything is quality, and they treat you like family there as well. They're real foodies, and you know what? They'll take care of you as well. 311-1 Chevy Chase Drive, Glendale, California. 
91206. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Armin John, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us <laughs> on Tuesday. And thank you to our viewers for tuning in today. Thanks for all the questions. And guys, it's an ongoing battle on the battlefield, virally, and as a community. We got to come together and show our love, support, continue to donate, continue to show support. This is a, this is a never-ending battle until Artsakh is Armenia and we win this. And after and, that... Amen. It's even more. And, and then we go to fucking Baku and beat the shit out of None of that. But I hope we can have Armin back in a couple months. If you would, please join us so we can go over what we have accomplished in the next two months. Hopefully, everything will be settled yeah. by that. It would be my pleasure. Thank you, Definitely. gentlemen. Thank you, Armin. Thank you, Armin. Thank you, Armin. Thanks, Thanks for all the work you guys do. Thanks Take care, guys. We'll see you guys on Monday. We're not going to be back tomorrow. Don't worry. Well, we want to know you for the rest of the week. We'll see you guys next week. Monday, we have another special guest. Have a good week, guys. Peace.